as Walter makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello and welcome to About Cap Wonderland on a Sunday. On a Sunday, I hear you all cry. Well, yes, and the reason behind that is because we are here for a special. Uh, my name is Chris, I'm your host. You'll be familiar with my work, and uh, underneath me, which I, I don't ever want to hear that phrase ever used again, is uh, is Danny, uh, who's largely going to be in the background today because he's you know, he's lazy, you know what he's like. But uh, Danny, how you doing? I have been awake for 14 minutes and uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing all right. It's hot. Good, good. Well, you're not the important one here, so I'm going to move on swiftly from your uh, 44-hour nap. Uh, we are joined by uh, a guest today. And uh, it's none other than Mr. Kaya Kainak. And you might know him as the chief sports writer for uh, Arsenal, all things Arsenal for Football London. Uh, Kaya, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Very good. Very uh, pleased to be on. Thank you for describing me as the important one. That's that's uh, more flattery like that. I'll keep coming back on. I very much enjoyed that <laughs> intro. Everyone's more important than us on this podcast. <laughs> on that one. Um, so before we get going, uh, we're going to have to address the elephant in the room straight away. Um, I'm troubled that somebody has better hair than me on this podcast. It's never happened before. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see this. Um, what, what's what's the uh, what's the the reason for the longer hair? Kind of, are, you, are you just like me, and you just like that free flowing look, or uh, has it has it always been that way for you? Honestly, no. It, it was a it was a lockdown thing where um, I started. I've had short hair pretty much most of my life. And then in lockdown, obviously, couldn't go to barbers or anything. And I grew it out. I started off with a, a 90s curtains look. And it just sort of kept going from there. And now it's really long. And like I told you guys, I suppose this could be a podcast, first podcast exclusive. But I'm getting it cut on Tuesday. So uh, it's not going to be around for too much longer. But, yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's been nice. It's just it's a lot of effort to maintain. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And uh, it's been a lot of work. But, yeah, it's I, re- I, I do enjoy having it. Uh, very kind of you to say better hair. I'm not quite sure. I think your, your hair looks a bit better than mine, to be honest. But you... You've got youth on your side, so uh, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt there. Mine's going back quite fast at an alarming rate. Anyway, um, I'm sure you didn't come on to talk about hair, so uh, let's let's launch straight in. With these sort of interviews, first thing I like to do is I like to sort of get to know you as a person. Um, so you're an Arsenal fan, um, which is always helpful on Arsenal podcast, of course. You've got a, a fantastic job there and, and obviously still in, in your 20s, you lucky devil. Talk, talk to you about how did this job come about? How did you get into covering the team that you you know and love and get into that industry? Yeah, so I basically decided I wanted to do football journalism from the age of, well, the age I realised I wasn't going to be a professional footballer. I was always into um, writing and I, was, I always enjoyed podcasting and that kind of stuff. And then um, I finished my uh, undergrad degree and I decided to do a master's um, in journalism after that. And then... Um, started doing loads of freelance work and that was going really well. And then sort of the pandemic came along and that uh, that put paid to that. But I kept working, doing as much freelance stuff as I could in the pandemic. I started doing my own stuff. And then um, Dave Seeger, um, uh, um, uh, God, I've forgotten the name of the, the blog I used to write for, which is really bad. Um, Gunnerstown, that's it. Sorry. Dave Seeger at Gunnerstown gave me a fantastic opportunity to write there. 
and um, just I really enjoyed writing there. Got to sort of involved in the more sort of Arsenal Twitter stuff, and then the job at Football London came up when Art De Roche, who was in my job before, left, and I uh, applied for it. And yeah, two and a half years later, here we are. So yeah, it's been an amazing experience, amazing few years. Met some great people, done some great things, and yeah, it's been really fun. Good stuff, and I'm sure you've had the pleasure of uh, one Mr. Simon Collins, who is from our parish as well. Uh, whenever he's not on the golf course, we still keep in touch with him. So uh, yeah, the world world moves in fast circles. What was it like that first day for you when you got to go to like the training ground or the media centre? How did that feel? Was it was it sort of I guess like from Danny and I's point of view, you said that to us. I mean, I'm a bit long in the tooth now. I probably would just you know, shake Arteta by the hand and pat him on the back and feel like, all right, how are you going? But when you are quite young and you come into that industry of the club you love, it must have been quite awe-inspiring. How did you, how did it go and were you really nervous? Yeah, I started at a bit of a weird time. So I started in the COVID season where everything was being done over Zoom. So I didn't actually get to go to the training ground for a really long time because obviously you weren't allowed to go anywhere near it because they were so conscious about COVID. And that meant that I didn't actually attend my first Arsenal press conference until... Uh, March of last season in person just because they only started um, a sort of in-person press conferences relatively late last season we forget how quickly that's all come back to normal but yeah with that it was sort of a soft launch for me so with all that going on I wasn't quite as thrown in the deep end and exposed to being face-to-face with these stars all the time as uh, as it might have been a bit more difficult I think if I'd gone straight away but I think being able to sort of work it up and, and go in a bit slowly and do everything over Zoom and see these guys over Zoom it's sort of I don't, it wasn't as um, maybe terrifying as it would have been, I think, if I'd gone in sort of in person straight away. But yeah, it's it's weird how quickly that stuff just becomes the norm and you learn the rules and you learn sort of the routes into the training ground, you know, all the faces and stuff. And yeah, it's it gets there really quickly. Good stuff. And I'm sure because I think a lot of people I've met footballers in the past and you know, not huge like major stars or anything, but sort of at our level and a couple of Arsenal players in the past. Um, one of the nicest players I ever met was Freddie Lundberg because it was just like literally meeting your mate down the pub. And that always stuck with me because he was very humble and he was just like you and I. Is it is it sort of do you have that preconception when you have a chat, or when you have your first interview with a certain player, certain manager? Do you do you have like a preconception of how they're going to be or is it very much where you're like, I'm there, this is my job and that's what I've got to do? I think you have to have a little bit of a preconception to be able to be aware of what they'll answer and what you'll get out of them. So, for example, I, I get questions all the time with Arteta and people are like, why haven't you asked him uh, why Declan Rice hasn't signed, for example? <laughs> and I know no matter what transfer question I ask, he'll always say I don't talk about other players. And when you do the research in the background and you, you sort of work out what players will want to talk about, what they'll go into, what they'll be more, more guarded on, you sort of, I think you develop yourself as an interviewer over time and you have to have a bit of a preconception because you have to do your research and know, but... I try not to judge their personalities before I meet them. I mean, you you hear stories all the time about people, but I've not met anyone who's been sort of actively rude or difficult. I mean, you know, obviously some players are better talkers than others, as, you know, some people are better talkers than others. But I think, yeah, for the most part, I try and and stay open-minded, but obviously you you do as much research as you can to try and inform your interviews. Yeah, good shout. And you mentioned getting into this industry. So you mentioned, like, you follow blogs and you said about with Dave with Gunners Town and, and podcasts and whatnot. Um, Danny and I always chuckle because we, we've been doing this for, we just had our 10 year anniversary show of the day and we were almost doing it before it was fashionable. Um, nowadays, you've got so many platforms, so many blogs, so many um, channels. And we'll talk about your, your YouTube channel in a second as well. How, was it sort of difficult for you to know 
not so much like who to trust, but there's so many. We, we've been through the, the era of the ITK. Uh, we've been through the era of people tracking planes in the sky. You know, we'll, we'll come on to transfer business with Arsenal at the moment in a second. But is it quite hard as a journalist to sort of do you have to do really deep research to know that this isn't just a bloke who was down the pub with a dog who gave notes to his friend? And do you have to like really go deep into that before you trust the source that you go on? Yeah, it's something that comes with experience for sure. So at the start, obviously, when you go into a bit more wide-eyed, you start to you maybe trust a few people that you shouldn't, or you maybe hear a few things and you report them and maybe you should have, you would have better hold them onto them or, you know, that kind of stuff. But I feel like I'm getting to a place now where um, I'm starting to get that sort of sixth sense. And you'll hear most journalists talk about this when they sort of understand. But even the most experienced people um, do, like, sometimes just their information is, you know, they're told something by a source who has been reliable up until a point and then isn't afterwards. But, um, yeah, you, you, you learn a bit along the way. And I think most of us, even, like, um, people who aren't necessarily journalists, you can sort of tell when a rumour doesn't quite add up. So we were joking before about Kylian Mbappe to Arsenal rumours. You'll see those. Um, you know, there's there's various headlines. And I think you're sort of, I, I don't know if I can swear on this part, so I'll say BS detector sort of goes off. You can say but, whatever you uh, like, it's fine. Okay, your bullshit detector <laughs> goes off then. But, uh, you know, it's always you always have to follow it up. It doesn't hurt to follow it up. And um, a lot of the time you end up chasing down dead alleys, which is fine. But, um, yeah, I think you, you get a bit of a sixth sense for what is what is true and what isn't. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I think I guess it's quite hard because there's so many people that are just they're just looking for a bit of clout, aren't they? There's that yeah, a little bit of attention. It's it's quite hard to know like, who's who's genuine and, and who's not. How do you how do you find um specifically Mikel Arteta as a personality? How do you find interviewing him? Because he, he comes across to me as a, a very humble, very hard working guy. Um he seems to be a very quick learner. He's obviously from that sort of uh, that that school, if you will, of, of the Pep Guardiola, um, you know, almost like he's, nothing is left. Uh, every every attention to every single detail. Do you do you get the impression that that he's much like a former manager, like with Arsenal, where he would go home and just constantly watch football all the time, and it consumes him? How does he come across to you? Maybe when the cameras aren't rolling, or when you are able to interact with him off camera, how how does he come across? I don't know if he's fully on Arsene's level of obsession because I think Arsene said, didn't he, he'd been in England for 25 years and the only places he knew were the stadium and the training ground. I don't think Arteta's <laughs> quite like that, but um, I think he's not far off. I remember reading a, a piece where it said when he was um, the assistant at Man City under Pep and he was staying in a flat up there away from his family and they went up and it was em- basically just an empty bedsit with like some tactical posters on the wall. So I don't think he's far off that. And to be fair, I think to get to the, the level of coaching and meticulousness and... I guess intensity that um, you you need to be a, a top elite manager. You probably need to have a bit of a, a sort of unhealthy dedication to football, an unhealthy obsession with it. And he is uh, very intense as a guy, but I think that's probably what makes him so good. And the initiative that he shows, and the the uh, I guess the ingenuity to come up with new things all the time. He's constantly looking for new ways to motivate the team. He's never happy. He's never calm he's never settled he's he's always wanting more and striving for more and you're constantly hearing about these new things that that, that pop up like for example win the dog who's been doing around on social media um there's an olive there's olive trees where they, they encourage the players to take care of it at the training ground just like all these little things where um arteta is very good at just i think he's very good at understanding what motivates people and what gets under their skin and he's good at understanding his players pretty well 
Um, when it comes to the press, he can be a bit difficult. He's not always the the most, I guess, the the most. Uh, how do I put this? He doesn't always give the most lengthy answers or the most sort of um, in depth answer, particularly when it comes to team news, which can be frustrating. But I guess you know he'll argue that he wants to keep things reserved because he doesn't want the opposition to to get any hints. And sometimes it does feel like almost the better the question you ask, the more he wants to bat it away because he doesn't want to give anything away. But that's fine. I understand it. And again, like I was saying before, you learn sort of what buttons to push and what he's willing to talk about and what he'll give you a bit more on and what he won't. And you learn to read between the lines. But I mean, he's he's clearly very good at what he does and he's immensely popular around the place. I've not met anyone at Arsenal who's had a bad word to say about him, um, either behind the scenes or in front of the camera or anything. So yeah, he's mm-hmm. definitely, definitely a very popular guy. Good stuff, good stuff. And and one thing I have to ask you, because I've just seen it in the chat, have you ever had the pleasure of interviewing Ben White? <laughs> no, sadly not. <laughs> sadly not yet. There's definitely one that is on the on the bucket list. Um, I really want to. Um, I'm hoping that we'll get a chance to interview him in America uh, over the next couple of weeks. I'll be interested to see what he has to say. I certainly won't imply that he got bullied because I know he doesn't like that. But um, <laughs> yes. I I think you'll probably get on well. I, I have a suspicion that that with Ben, it's it's a very clever, very not not an act, but I, I think he knows exactly what he's doing, and I like it. And long may it continue. Um, talk to us about your YouTube then, because you just um, we will plug that in the in our tweet as well for you. So you've recently started this. Uh, there, Danny's right on time there with Thank the link in the in the chat. Um, how did that sort of come about? And and is that so you're obviously attached to football London, as we said, so they're I guess like your your bread and butter, if you will. This is like a bit of a side project for you. How does it compare? What sort of what kind of things have you been looking to do with it? Because I know it, it's quite difficult, isn't it, when you're just talking to yourself, I found doing these sort of podcasts. It's nice to have someone to bounce off when you're just staring at a screen and you're talking to thousands of viewers. How have you found that experience? Yeah, I definitely prefer these kind of conversations where we're having a bit of a chat. Whereas if you're just talking at a camera for 25, 30 minutes, it can be a bit difficult. And you sort of, you're in the back of your head saying, don't waffle, don't waffle. And then all you're doing is waffling. And that can be quite difficult to to navigate. But yeah, it basically just came out of me wanting to, I guess, feeling that sometimes I wasn't able to uh, always express my point with my writing sometimes. And there were sometimes, there's so much going with Arsenal that sometimes you don't get a chance to maybe give it the in-depth coverage with the, the articles that you might want to when it comes to, to videos. And I also think there's there's a lot um, when it comes to sort of the day-to-day life of the journalists and sort of in and around the the press pack that maybe you don't see. And I'm, I'm wanting to maybe bring Arsenal fans a little bit closer into that. That's my plan, at least. I feel like my USP is a YouTube channel when sort of I start going out to the States and Nuremberg this coming week. And then obviously when the season starts for for regular um next month my plan is to sort of give people a bit of an insight into press conferences see what it's what it's like what it's about and just a bit more access that they maybe wouldn't have had before um so yeah that's the plan with it and it's just another way to hopefully bring arsenal fans a bit closer to the club and hopefully interact with more people i've noticed that people on youtube are so much nicer as well compared to twitter (laughs) my primary sort of um interaction with with the outside world have been twitter until this point when it comes to sort of the football side of things and Everyone's so nice and supportive and yeah, uh, I've had suddenly so much good feedback so far and everyone's been really great and it's growing really well, the channel. So yeah, um, like and subscribe, as I guess you're supposed to say. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. Exactly. No, yeah, no, I've really enjoyed it so far and I've definitely wanted to do more of it going forward. Good stuff, good stuff. There's one thing I think we've learned over this 10 years of doing this podcast is that the, the trolls will always be there, um, but the nice comments far outweigh the good people um, generally I, I tend to find. So, yeah, good for you. And like I say, you know, you're starting at a, a prime age. We're all over the hill at this stage, so we're, we're happy as we are. Um, 
let's um let's talk a bit about where we are with Arsenal in general then. So um Arsenal are doing a brilliant job right now of dragging two signings out for as long as possible. Um suspicion is I, I feel like we're gonna have a couple of announcements early next week because they didn't want to do Saliba on one day and Nelson another day. They didn't want to put it all into one. They've got to keep the media team honest, I guess. But um if if as is expected, these other two deals for Rice and, and Timber go through to join Kai Havertz, who's the one person I'm most excited about for whatever reason. I'm just bit of a football hipster i suppose but they're three massive signings aren't they they're, they're signings that say to me we we did well last year um we we progressed hugely but we're really going for it with these three signings aren't we are you, are you as excited as as a lot of the other supporters are yeah definitely they're, they're statement signings they say look we were happy with second but we're not resting on our laurels we want first and mm. i think that's good i think that's exactly what every arsenal fan wanted going into this window i think arsenal have had the the, the most recent finished which was as good as second was obviously 2016 and they didn't kick on almost every other team who finished behind Leicester that season kicked on and and Arsenal haven't finished in the Champions League since if I'm not mistaken so I think Arsenal have learned those lessons and they're a club that's really well run now Edu and Arteta and Richard Garlick and the rest of the transfer team they all work with really good synergy they they, they know the targets we've seen how quickly they can operate in the past and um, when it comes to this summer, I think they've they've been very clear the areas of the squad they want to improve. Um, yeah, the the team are travelling out next week, so I do wonder to Germany next week. So I do wonder if maybe they'll stagger the announcement. So last week, for example, they wanted to give Alessia Russo's contract her day in the sun. Um, Williams, Lieber, and Reese Nelson were both supposed to have their day in the sun, and Timber they didn't want to obviously do it over the weekend because they had the behind closed doors friendly on Saturday. So all these things they they do make sense that they're still being taken care of behind the scenes, but. They're very aware of sort of capturing social media, sort of, I guess, uh, the the narrative and the talking points and the, the 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 zeitgeist, if you like. So they want to make sure that they're at the forefront of people's conversations and make sure that everyone's interacting with their content. So that's the plan. And that's why maybe it's taking a little bit longer to be confirmed. But it's it's I'm pretty sure 99.9% certain that that's 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 very good. So, yeah, yeah. very good signings, three really exciting signings. And, and like you say, with 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 Havertz, Interesting because I think we all really believe in Mikel Arteta as a coach and mm-hmm. I think we all see a player who's got talent but hasn't quite done it at Chelsea, a bit like what we saw with Martin Odegaard mm-hmm. uh, when he came from Real Madrid and we think, wow, this is a player who could do something and I think we all saw what Granit Xhaka added to his offensive game but if you put someone who's more naturally offensively inclined in that position next season, that's really exciting. Timber, I have to admit, I hadn't seen much of him apart from the World Cup before. I didn't watch much Dutch football last season, unfortunately, but... Um, he's been, you know, people have spoken really highly of him. And just again, looking at sort of wanting to do that inverted Zinchenko thing on the right-hand side, that's really exciting. And then obviously Declan Rice is the signing we're all the, uh, well, apart from you, who we're the most excited about. Um, <laughs> I just think it's the kind, like we say, it's the kind of statement signing that, that adds something into the midfield. And I think for Arsenal, we, none of us, I mean, obviously you guys, have, I don't mean to remember, you guys have been sort of following Arsenal a lot longer than I have. And you'll be able to tell me that I can't remember the last time Arsenal went out and signed a top England international who was arguably the best in their position in the Premier League last season or up there mm-hmm. with the Premier League last season. I can't remember the last time it happened. It doesn't really happen very often. So the fact that Arsenal are able to make these signings when they're already on top, that to me suggests that they're definitely heading in the right direction and they're not wanting to just settle for second. They're not happy to just be sort of part of the supporting class. They want to be the lead character. They want to be, to use an Unai Emeryism, the protagonist of next season. That's what they want to be. So, yeah, very exciting times for Arsenal. Uh, very exciting all round. 
Yeah, I, I think I'm going to show my age here, but I think the last time I can remember being excited about Arsenal signing an England international who was established in his day was, was David Platt. Um, I'm sure Danny will dig out some others, but I remember that was the summer that, that Dennis came in as well. Um, and just to bore our listeners further, I was walking around a French space museum in France at the time on a school study visit. And uh, the the tour guide noticed that my friend was wearing an Arsenal shirt and he was like, oh, you just signed Dennis Burkham and David Platt. And we were like, you couldn't get too further apart the sort of names <laughs> that come in. But I think Platty was, I think he was at Sampdoria at the time, I think, from memory. Um, but yeah, that was, and he was, his, probably his better days were past him, but he was a, an established England international. And like you say, someone like Rice, I mean, it, it is a statement signing and Sol Campbell is the obvious one as Maskun has put in the, in the chat then. Oh, for those days where you could hide a signing and just wander out with Richard Wright and then go, <laughs> Oh, by the way, here's Sol Campbell. Good times. Um, talk to you about your, when you're reporting, um, is it like, do you sort of have like a, a home equipment setup where you just got like 44 monitors and like eight phones? And is it like a command center where the minute a rumor comes out, you've got to be on it? Because there are there are journalists out there that thrive on the constant reporting, you know, every minute up to date information or someone's literally just gone out in their garden and walked with the plants. They're reporting on it. And then you get others um, like David Ornstein, for example, who who will only tweet about facts. This has happened. That's it. It's done. Where do you sit in that kind of area for journalism and how do you how do you go about if you hear a rumor, for example, how do you go about going and say, I need to get on this now? How does that how does that work for you? So, uh, yeah, I, I haven't quite got that setup you described at home. Um, <laughs> I've got a work laptop, which I don't use. I just use my personal laptop and I've got my, my phone. I've only got one phone. I probably should have a work phone and a personal phone just to separate the two. But I'm not that great at separating different sort of my work life and my personal life but I try and sort of keep a balance I don't think I'm someone who uh, wants to report every single incremental bit although the website that I work for Football London the, the sort of the content demands means that we have to produce a lot of stuff and I'm I'm not the biggest fan of that myself I, I tell the people I work with the same thing so it's not as if I'm sort of stagging off behind their backs but I'd say the same thing to them and I guess um, I think personally I, I like to deal with sort of more Ornstein style facts, but I'm, I'm more interested. I've, I've obviously news is important, and you need to chase stories down, and you need to find things out. But um, for me, it's never fully been about being the first to report the whole idea of getting the exclusive ahead of people. Obviously, you know they're great when they happen, and I've been fortunate enough to get a few so far. But um, for me, it's much more, I get more of a kick out of knowing I've written a really good piece or knowing that, you know, I've, I've got a really good take on something and I'm really proud and I want to share it with people. So that's more interesting for me. But when it comes to, yeah, finding rumours, um, you hear whispers, you just call around people. Um, you just keep calling, 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 texting, texting, Instagram DMs, Twitter, <laughs> all sorts. And that's the thing with social media, you can get in touch with people in so many different ways now. And you're constantly researching, chasing people down. And eventually when you get to them, it's sort of, it's a weird one where you can't quite go and say, um, is Declan Rice signing for Arsenal? You sort of have to uh, come up with a way where you try and make it mutually beneficial. So you can sort of say, look, here's what I can give you if you give me this and that kind of thing. So it's it's, uh, it's a weird relationship. And I think you, you sort of, again, with experience, you learn how to sort of traverse that tricky transfer terrain. Um, it's easy for me to say along the way. But um, yeah, it's... It's not, I have to say, the transfer window is not my favorite part of uh, reporting covering Arsenal because 
um, I think the game's the most exciting bit, and I'm I'm really excited to go to America. And I was really excited by the Watford game yesterday when it, when sort of the highlights came out because I think sort of seeing what's going on on the pitch personally is what interests me the most. But I get that people love transfers and listen, it's exciting to think what's coming up. And I think we're all excited for a reason because of what Arsenal have done in the transfer market this summer. So yeah, it's 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 busy, but um, that's all right. That's part of the job, and I like it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Danny's just linked on the, if you're watching in, in an audio format on the YouTube links there to uh, to Kai's uh, Football London articles if you want to have a read. So please do. Um, what's the week ahead for you like then? So you're going out to Germany. Um, what? How does that trip work then? Is it literally like, do you pay for your own, do your own flights, everything and make your way there? Do you have to find stuff to do in the afternoons or yeah. is it very much all Arsenal themed? No, football journalism is not well paid enough for me to be able to pay for flights around the world. <laughs> You're not on first class with a glass quite. of champers then? No? Not quite, not <laughs> quite. It's a, it's a Ryanair flight out to Nuremberg on uh, Thursday morning. Uh, and then the game is in the evening, staying at a hotel overnight and then flying back first thing on Friday morning and then pack and I fly out to Washington on Saturday. So it's going to be busy. But um, yeah, so it's it's a, with this game, it's going to be just post-match with Mikel Arteta and then a couple of players, hopefully. So um, we'll watch the game, we'll do all the reports, um, player ratings, reviews, articles about it, all that kind of stuff. And then you go um, from that point on and you start, you go, uh, you have a huddle with Mikel Arteta, normally by the pit side or in like a media zone. And there's sort of three, four journalists sort of crowd around and you try and get your questions in. You normally get about two or three questions. So it's not very many, but you try and get whatever you can. Uh, and I'll try and come up with sort of interesting lines that I think Arsenal fans might want to hear about. And then, Go home, write up a piece for the next morning, uh, try and get a bit of dinner if we can, um, which normally can be quite late. I think kickoff is six o'clock local time. So I imagine I'll be working till gone midnight, which will be exciting. But um, yeah, that's all right. That's all right. That's how I like it. So I can't really complain. Yeah. So we're not going to see any headlines of uh, Kynak stumbling out of bar at 4 a.m. then or anything. <laughs> It's I'm not going to be that, that kind that, of trip. That exclusive is TBC. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. The we'll German get... beers are dangerous. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, aren't they just? Yeah, we'll, we'll get Danny to, to keep checking for that. Um, <laughs> and uh, do you, will, you, will you get a chance to go around the, the HQ? Is it the Adidas HQ that they're going to train in? Because that, apparently that's a, an amazing place to go. I haven't been there myself, but do, will you get I've, a chance to go yeah, around that? I've heard the same. Unfortunately not, because they want to keep that, that training ground, that training camp relatively behind closed doors, which I understand. But yeah. no, um, they're not doing any sort of as far as I'm aware, they're not doing any sort of external media stuff. I think they'll be doing a bit of in-house club media stuff. But no, for me, it's just the game, which is at the Max Morlock Stadion in Nuremberg. Fair enough, fair enough. And, and I have to ask this question, and you, you do you, you can reserve the right to uh, to say nothing if you wish, but any perks of the job? I mean, do you, do you get any specific access? Or um, I, I'm not ever suggesting you're going to be one of those who walks up somewhere and says, don't you know who I am? Uh, I'm not <laughs> saying that at all. But do you get any any perks or any invites to special events or anything through the work? Yeah, I mean, getting to come on stuff like this is a perk of the job. I really enjoy this kind of oh, stuff. Oh, smoothie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I was joking about not being able to pay for flights, but the fact that... Um, work will you know give me great opportunities to travel to places for example went to bodo in the arctic circle last year um i don't know if i'd have done that otherwise um uh, various other places that you'll go and you probably wouldn't ever go to otherwise um, orlando and baltimore for example last year as well um that's great and obviously being sort of inside things and sort of being close to the club that i really enjoy is is great um yeah, there's so many perks. You get to meet great people. Um, it's weird. None, none of them are really, you get invited to very cool things, um, sort of various things related to the club. Yeah, I, I don't really know. Um, 
there, there are plenty of perks for sure. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I won't put no, you on the spot. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's no, uh, no, nothing sort of premiers or anything. Um, and, I, and I have to ask you as well, completely sort of random but related to Arsenal, what do you make of the kits? Because they've divided people this year, haven't they? This, uh, this new batch that's coming out. Yeah, I have to say, so I really like the green kit. Green is my favourite colour, so I'm a big fan of that one. I'm definitely going to be hopping on it that. See if I can, my birthday is end of July, so I'm hoping my family will buy me that um but that's a hint to any of them if they're watching the <laughs> yellow away kit is vile i think i don't know if you there's not much division on that that's that's truly I, hideous i love it do you i oh, do okay there i is like division on it Fair i like enough. neon i'm a big fan of the loud colors i think there's I like, myself I like and... the loud colors too i think and this it reminds me of, do you remember late noughties chelsea had an away kit which is yes like, it reminds Dude. me a bit of that, but I quite like that. But that was kind mm. of the pattern was simple. It's the wavy lines I can't get on board with. There, yeah, they're the issue for me. I just it looks, it looks like sort of toxic fumes. I don't know. It doesn't <laughs> quite do it for me. And then it's, the home, yeah. no, go for it, go for it. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say it'll be iconic because you know when we left the trophy with it, yeah, it'll be like that will be the season they had the awful kit, but they won the league. So yeah, yeah there it exactly. is on the screen. Exactly. Yeah. When they win the Champions League in that kit, I don't think any of us will care too much. Nobody, will, nobody will mind. Exactly. Um, and, and the home kit, see, the only issue I have with the home kit for me, I like the kit. It's got to be red socks. I'm not sure about the white socks. Oh, okay. Bit of a, bit of a snob yeah, yeah. for white. That's Too much fair. spurs. <laughs> I hadn't thought about the socks. Um, my, my issue with it is I sort of have a, and this is a totally fine opinion if anyone wants to disagree with it, but I think unless you're the champions, you shouldn't have gold on your kit. Mm, That's just a personal opinion that. for me. So this is why I, I think I'm the only person on planet Earth who didn't like the black away kit last season because because the black and gold didn't quite do it for me. Mm. And this year, the more I see of this home kit, the less I like it. Um, but that's just me. I'm happy to be honest to be wrong on that. The training gear is fantastic. I really I've like the just the ordered it. Have really, to, yeah. I, the I've red one with like the the chevrons and stuff on it. Yeah, I I've yeah, got yeah. I've gone for the the black with the the oh, okay. the luminous and blue. Um, yeah, but I've gone yeah, for yeah. the sleeveless top because I've got massive. Gu- no, I haven't got. <laughs> um, but I'm a I'm a runner, so in the summer it's perfect for me. So I've gone for the shorts and sleeveless. So I think it's mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous. Um, and I might have even got my initials on it, but don't tell anyone because that'll make me <laughs> a right nerd. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm conscious we don't want to keep you for for too long. So if you need to jump out at any point just let us know but I, I did want to ask you just about your thoughts for the season ahead and obviously like we said with the signings coming in it is it, it is exciting is there anything that um anything that you expect that maybe happens within the club in terms of exits before the season that might divide opinion like there's a few players that uh, there's a few people that are getting quite upset today about the, the Balogun suggestion that Chelsea are, are keen um I won't put you on the spot and ask you about that directly but is there We've lost granite. It, it, there are other players that you, you suspect we might see maybe a few that might divide yeah. the, the fan base. Yeah, Balogun is one of the players the club are open to offers on. Um, that's, I think that will divide opinion, but I, I do understand it in the sense that he's got two years left on his contract. Uh, he's young. He's coming off the back of the best season of his career. I don't know if Arsenal will ever get more money than they're going to get for him now. And I think quite fairly after the, the season he had last season, he's coming back saying, well, I want to be first choice. And I think that's yeah. fair enough. But it doesn't seem like that's going to happen at Arsenal because you're not going to drop Gabriel Jesus. I thought Eddie did actually a decent job when he came in to replace Jesus last season. I know he got a lot of stick, but I thought he did a good job. Trossard played the false nine really well. Mm. I don't know if he's coming in, if he's coming in and getting regular game time at Stingstown, particularly with no Europa League football, with it being Champions League. I just can't see him starting games regularly. So I personally think it's a sensible decision. I think the figures of 50 million being banded around are ambitious i don't yeah. think they'll get that but in much in the similar way that 
West Ham were quoting 120 million for Rice at the start of the window. These are the kind of things when it goes into a negotiation that obviously they want to to take their time and, and maybe they'll be dwindled down. And if they end up with 40 million, then I think I think we'd all accept that as a, a decent transfer fee for an academy player who up until last season hadn't really done it at first team level. Um, Thomas Partey is another player who I'd expect to divide opinion and he's someone who they're open to offers for. Um, I think James Bend reported that he's not interested in moving to Saudi Arabia, but he does mm. have interest in Italian teams. So I wonder if the Italian teams will be able to offer Arsenal enough money to make that deal worthwhile. He's another with two years left on his contract. So it's sort of a, do you sell now and kind of make more money or do you hold on for another season and then risk losing him for nothing mm. in a year's time? I, I personally, you know, I think Thomas Partey certainly has a lot to, a lot to offer Arsenal if he does stay on, on yeah, the pitch, with a lot to offer Arsenal. And if you get rid of him and Xhaka, that's two thirds yeah. of a midfield who nearly won the Premier League last season, gone. Yeah, And suddenly you go from... I guess having uh, players who were able to maybe shepherd in this transition period with with Rice and Habits coming in, to you're putting all your eggs in this Rice and Habits basket, and if either one of them don't work out, then it's a bit of a risk. Obviously, if Parse were to go, he'd need replacing because having Jorginho and Rice and obviously Elneny is there. Mm. I don't think they'd view that as enough, which is why you're seeing all these rumours linking us to uh, Romeo Lavia and plenty of other players like that. So. Yeah, those guys. And then beyond that, it's most of the loan players um, from last season. So I don't see too many of the loan players sticking around. I think Marquinhos is the only one probably who has maybe a long-term future at the club. I'd, I'd be surprised if Runnison stays on. Um, I'd be surprised if Nuno Tavares stays on. I think Sambi Lukonga will leave in one form or another. Mm. Um, I think Cedric will possibly leave. Uh, Nicola Pepe is not part of Arteta's plans. I'm sure there's a loan that I've forgotten in there. Pablo Marie's already gone. So yeah, um, I think those guys... Trusty as well as come back, yes. isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's back in training, but he's also another one available for permanent transfer. So yeah, there's there's plenty of sales. I think Arsenal are, are hoping to get sort of north of 100 million pounds. And if you look that Jack has already gone for 25 million euros, that seems very doable, in mm. my opinion. And that money will hopefully be reinvested back into the into the playing squad, and then maybe we'll see a fourth or a fifth transfer later in the later in the window. But yeah, exit wise. I'd say Partey and Balogun are probably the two that's going to split opinion most. I think everyone's pretty uniform when it comes to the other ones who are likely to go. Yeah, yeah. I got a, I got a lot of flack on Twitter. Who'd have thought uh, for suggesting that Balogun would fetch 30 million max? Um, obviously, sort of follow French football very closely and he is fantastic at, at Rams. But the, the thing is, it's at Rams and they play a very different style, very different, uh, you know, setup there. And he was the main man. He was their goal threat. He was, he was everything was going through him. Um, I, w- I would love to see him just give it a go for a year. Um, and I know that's because there's a there's an issue, I suppose, isn't there? Like you said, the club are looking at the financial side of things. And I guess the players probably looking at he wants to play. But I feel like if there was one more year on that contract, maybe just to three years, I feel like they'd give it that year and say, well, look, just see how it goes. Um, then you've got the issue of the Inketia, uh same agent with with Flo, you know, and and I know people say, well, just sell Nketiah. I, I'm kind of with you. I think he deserves the opportunity to have another crack at it. He did a good job last season and, um, you know, is, is no good shifting out and Ketia if you've still got a Balogun who wants to play every game and can't. So, you yeah. know, it's, yeah. it's kind of and pointless. Also, also something people forget about that is let's say Arsenal were to move on to Ketia this summer and then Balogun were to go next summer. Then Arsenal have to go out and spend a lot of money on bringing in a backup yeah. centre forward. And those aren't too easy to find. Not Spurs struggled for years to find someone to back up Harry Kane. They still haven't really got one. Mm. So there's not many around who can do that job. Obviously, you get different types of centre-forwards, but it's a lot cheaper to retain, retain sorry, an academy prospect for nothing than it is to mm. go out and spend 
40, 50, 60 million on a striker who may not be as good and probably will be on the same kind of wages. So yeah. it's that, I think that's how Arsenal will look at it from a financial perspective. And any of those youngsters you think might get a go? Um, the the, the right-back um, whose name escapes me, he was on loan in the Championship last season. What's his blooming name? Norton Duffy. That's the one. I'm really impressed with him, I thought, when he was on loan. And I think Cozy Jubri's got got further down the line as well. Is, is there is there room in that squad, particularly the homegrown quota, to, to sort of sandwich a couple of those in, do you think? It's difficult with the Europa League not being a thing anymore. And this mm. is something we all forget when it comes to the, the, sort of the, the class of Haylenders that came through in like Saka, uh, Nketia, Smith-Rowe, Willock, Maitland-Niles, all those guys, when they came through, Europa League football was very much a thing. And Arsenal had two competitions, basically, to, to blood through their youngsters. And now they don't have that. So if you look at someone like a Charlie Patino, for example, it looks like that he'll be on his way on a permanent deal this summer, although Arsenal would like to include a buyback in that. That kind of thing, I think, will start to happen more often where Arsenal will get talented youngsters who maybe go out on loan and show they can do things elsewhere, but I don't know if the opportunities will be there so much for them in the first team. Yeah. So it's a shame because obviously we've been really excited to see Saka and Smith-Rowe and, and Eddie and, and plenty of the others come through and Reese and all those guys come through and do really well over the past couple of years. I don't know if many of them will get an opportunity this time around. And Lino Sosa's one to keep an eye on because yeah. Zinchenko's been struggling with injury and Tavares appears to be on his way out. And that left-back spot is, is one that you could maybe keep an eye out on. But mm. Walters is another. Um, you yeah. can play anywhere across the back line, Raw Walters. But it's difficult for them to get too many regular game time or too much regular game time. I do wonder what will happen with, with them. But the likes of Winiri, Miles Lewis, Skelly, they'll be sticking around, I think, for the season and then see what happens after that. Yeah, Lewis Skelly looks—he—he he looks really exciting to me. I feel like if you get the right championship club and you get him on loan, I think he'll—he'll he'll do fantastic stuff this season for for sure. Um, just before we do let you go, Sasa, I know we're conscious of time. Um, Danny, we've had a couple of questions, haven't we? Did you want to field a couple of those before Kranich has to go? Yeah, sure. Uh, right, we have normally we get nonsense questions, but this time they've actually made some effort and put decent <laughs> questions in. Uh, Pete Coulson says, "Question for Kaya: Has there ever been a story that the club have asked you to sit on and not disclose to this day?" Well, well he couldn't tell you then, could he? If it's yeah, to this that's day. kind of a, that question kind of answers itself. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, I can't <laughs> answer that question, I'm afraid, uh, but yeah, possibly. Uh, oh, lovely. <laughs> uh, Mark Taylor says, "What do you think it would?" What do you think it will take for Edu, Arteta and KSE to get the praise they deserve from our fan base? A quadruple question mark? Good question. Yeah, maybe. Question. Maybe. Well, there's six trophies on because the Emirates Cup and Community Shield. So let's not forget those. Those are big six trophies. As well. Mourinho would count them. So, uh, yeah, possible. I don't know. I think even if that happens, there'll still be people saying Edu out and posting those horrible sort of pictures of what. Well, Arteta already with like the Joker face mask, um, that kind of stuff. I'm sure we'll see all of that. And there'll be some point where Arsenal dare to lose a game throughout the course of the season and all that will be back. So I don't know what it would take. I think, you know, if, if you're not praising KSC, Arteta, Edu at this point, I think KSC may be a little bit less than everyone else because we can't really forget about the Super League and how awful that was. But Arteta and Edu deserve plenty of praise because they've turned this club on its head and think about where it was three years ago. I don't know what it would take to praise them if you're not praising them now. Some people are just never happy, unfortunately. Uh, Phil Macca says, um, question, we need to boost our squad numbers with some talent on the bench. Do you think that's likely once the ins and outs are done or will we simply be boosting the first 11? So the way Arsenal are looking at recruitment now is not so much, and this is a thing that's changed since the Europa League 
has been replaced by the Champions League, it's not so much, and you'll see this with the transfers they've made, it's not really a case of um, having a first 11 and then having a bench. It's a case of having a sort of first 18, 19. And you see this with the midfield options they have now. Before we knew pretty much how Arsenal were going to line up, we knew eight or nine of the starting 11 from last season this year. Listen, it's going to be difficult to say. We don't know whether Rice will be playing as a as an eight or a six. We don't know whether Havertz will be playing as in midfield or if he'll be playing in a different position. Uh, will it be Trossard and Martinelli on the left? Will it be Timber or White on the right at right back? So there's loads of decisions that Arsenal are looking for and they want to ideally get to a position where the backups, if you like, are on a similar level. So if you look at the transfers they've been making, it's not been a case of even someone like Jakub Kibio, for example, I don't think there's a suggestion that he's going to come for Gabriel's place anytime soon because Gabriel, in my opinion, was the most underrated player in the Premier League last season. But even still, when he comes in, it's much less of a drop-off, for example, and this is maybe a harsh comparison, but when Saliba went out and Rob Holding came in, that's what they want to avoid. So I don't think it's necessarily a case of they'll be looking to improve just the first 11. They're looking to improve the squad as a whole. And that's a really interesting development from last season to this this season. That's the one probably I'm looking forward most to seeing how Arteta handles that. Uh, I've got three more questions. Uh, one more from Clock Orange. Do you think you are happy with the window and is it enough if we do not sign any more players outside of Havertz, Rice and Timber? I think he should mean by that. Um, I'm, I'm assuming this means if, if no one goes as well or if none of the sort of the, the squad from last season go. I think if, if Thomas Partey were to leave, I think they need to bring in a, a replacement for him. Beyond that, I, I'm pretty happy with it personally. I think this squad is definitely good enough to compete in the Champions League and the Premier League, especially with the additions they've made to it. There's enough... In my opinion, enough firepower, enough depth in midfield, enough depth in defence, two good goalies, and Arthur Conquo is looking really good as well. So yeah, um, I think I think as things stand, yeah, pretty happy. But if Partey were to leave, then yeah, I think you'd need a backup to replace him. Uh, Pete says, and he's, he's I think the K and the M are too close together on his keyboard. He's <laughs> I get a lot of autocorrect with that. It's all good. <laughs> Uh, Pete says, will you kindly list the European leagues in terms of excellence? And is League One a farmer's league with a small <laughs> pond with a fat fish in it? This may well be a little poke at Chris, who loves French football, and he's <laughs> his beloved Lorient more than he loves the Arsenal. So that's why people are constantly Gosh. poking fun at him for it. In fact, we have a little banner. While you're going to answer that, we have a little banner, which we're going to bring up. Okay. There we go. Defending <laughs> <laughs> again. Well, Lorient are in the Champions League next season, aren't they? They did pretty well last season. Right? No, we're, we're, we're outside, unfortunately. Uh, I finished 10th oh. in the end, but they were second at Christmas, and I'm holding that closely to my heart. Okay. <laughs> was, was it Lons in the Champions League? There was something, Lons are in. Lons are in. I got too confused. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I, I don't want to slag off the, the French League now. I've got that against me. Um, <laughs> I, isn't it? I can't remember, but UEFA released their, their listings, and I think the French League dropped... Um, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Seventh but, or something um, now, which I'm not sure I believe. But, it seems yeah. a bit harsh to put it below the Dutch league, for example, but mm. um, I, I don't know. Um, I'd say the Premier League is the best. And then beyond that, probably La Liga, although I think the depth and quality is, is dropping and Bundesliga maybe after that. But um, yeah, I don't know. The The interesting thing is with the sort of the lack of quality or lack of depth and quality is the lack of money when it comes to those kind of clubs across yeah. Europe. So when Arsenal are looking to sell these players in the summer, everyone's like, Oh, yeah, just go get 40, 50 million for um, Balogun. Well, I don't know if there's too many teams on the continent who can afford that. So, yeah, that's a 
an interesting thing to bear in mind. Uh, that's my way of sort of changing the question so that I don't have to slag off French football. <laughs> uh, Avon has got a question. Is there mileage in... Is is there any mileage in the rumour about Arsenal and City being prepared to do a swap, player swap? And if so, who might it be involved? Because that was on Twitter last night. What do you think to that? Right, I, I didn't see that. I'd, I'd be surprised, personally, just because... A, I'm not sure who Arsenal would offer to Manchester City, who City would think, well, we really want them, that Arsenal would be willing to give up. And B, um, Man City were really reluctant. Obviously, when the Joao Cancelo uh, rumours came out early in the year, one of the things I heard was City were really reluctant to sell Arsenal players again after Jesus and Zinchenko. And um, I wonder if maybe they've learned their lesson. And it would be a bit of an odd one to see two title rivals do a, a player swap. I'd be surprised. I'm not saying it's, it's not, happen- not happening because I've not looked into it myself, but... I'd be very surprised if that happened. Last time we did that, it was an absolute disaster for both teams, Mkhitaryan and Sanchez. Yes. And yeah. Ryan has sneaked in a fellow podcaster at the Mr. Right, Mr. Arsenal podcast. So he sneaked in with a decent question that I like. So this is the final one. Ryan says, do you think how well ESR has performed in the under-21s tournament this summer has now given Mikel a selection headache for match day one onwards? Yeah, well, the plan for Smith-Rowe, so one of the things that's kept him going this season, and I think, in my opinion, he's been quite harshly overlooked at points throughout the season when Arsenal probably could have done with him off the bench or maybe he could have started a Europa League game here or there. Mm. Even at that point, so post-surgery, post-injury, he's now playing train free, sorry, training pain-free, uh, training really well, and all that stuff's going on and he's not getting many chances. And I think the one thing, speaking to sort of people around him, they were telling me that the thing that was keeping him going was this Euro 21 or under-21 Euro thing to to, I guess, give him a chance to show everyone or remind everyone what he can do and make a bit of noise. And he's done that. And he's been part of a team that's won. He's scored. He's got assists. He's been very impressive throughout the tournament. Lee Carsley really likes him, the under-21 manager. So, yeah, I think it's just a case of him now. He'll get opportunities in pre-season. So he won't be there for the Germany trip, but um, I'm, I'm looking into whether he'll be able to make it for the America trip. So if he's able to, to be out there for the America trip, that would A, be fantastic dedication to come back and basically forgo a holiday at all and just come back straight away uh but b it would be a real chance for him to show arteta look i'm i'm the guy i know you signed kai Havertz. i know you spent a lot of money on him i know martin Odegaard's your captain i know you've got two very good left wingers and bakara saka on the right but mill smith Rowe will be thinking i can i can get into the into the team in one of these positions and it's been interesting him and Odegaard when they played together it's never quite worked but I, what i'd be really excited to see if they get an opportunity to do that. I think he deserves a chance because we forget that he was the second highest scorer in uh, the Arsenal team the season before last. And he went from that to not starting a single game at all last season, which is very weird. But Arteta likes him still. I mean, they, they I think he sat him down at the end of the season and basically said, look, you're not going anywhere. You're still a part of my plans. So even with everything that's happened, even with Kai Havertz coming in, Declan Rice coming in, and all the players who are possibly going to give him competition next season, I still think if he's able to rise to the challenge of all that competition, there's the, there's a real player in there and there's someone who could be a real asset for Arsenal next season. Pre-season will be a real determining factor for that though. See how he does in America, see how he does in the Community Shield and all that kind of stuff. And hopefully he'll be able to make an impact because I'd like to see it. I always get excited by Sniffer. I think he's a really good player. So fingers crossed he can do something for Arsenal. Mm. Lovely. Chris? He, he looks hench as well, doesn't he? He's definitely uh, definitely been in the gym, bless he him. He lost a lot of weight as well. well he's lost yeah. a bit of weight and he's put on a bit more muscle and yeah his, I think his fitness stats are supposed to be better than they've ever been so yeah mm. all that's going on yeah he definitely fills that shirt out more than, than the sort of 
kind of spindly player that broke into the the team a few years back. So yeah, good luck to him. Um, Kyra, it's been a pleasure. Um, we're going to let you go and um, we'll just have a natter for 15 minutes or so to round up the show. But um, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate appreciate you're very busy um, and will be for the next week, I'm sure, as well, with all the, the training and the, all the games and the announcements that are to come. Um, just before you go, if you want to feel free to plug your Twitter, your YouTube channel, where people can read your articles, go for it. Sure. Um, Twitter is at KayaKarnett97. Same with YouTube. Um, I'm on Facebook, KayaKarnett Journalist. I've started a new Instagram page as well, KayaKarnett FL. FL is in Football London. So, yeah, if you're if you're on some sort of social media, you'll find. Oh yeah, Threads. I've started doing Threads as well. <laughs> Can't forget about that. Uh, that's KayaKarnett FL as well. Um, so yeah, all that's going on, um, and also the Football London website, as you can see across the bottom of the screen there, is where you can find all my articles and. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on, guys. And congrats on the 10-year anniversary from uh, last week. Or was it a couple of weeks ago? I'm not sure. But um, Yeah, last, last week, yeah. Last week. So, yeah, congratulations. And thanks, everyone, for watching. And, yeah, hopefully see you all very soon. Absolutely. We will invite you back. And that's that's the only part of the, the deal. When you come on one, you have to come on at least one <laughs> more. So we'll, we'll be fishing you out. Me. Don't worry. <laughs> Look forward to it. Look forward it's, to it. It's been a pleasure, Kai. Thanks for joining us. And uh, no doubt we'll interact uh, again. But thank you again. Have a good one. Cool. Cheers, Kai. Bye, guys. Cheers. Cheers for now. Right. Take care. What a lovely and that man. was Kaya Kainak. So, yeah, Danny. Okay, nice good. chat. Yeah, we've had some other questions in the uh, – well done, as usual. People are saying, why am I talking? Well, because uh, if we want to look good, we let Chris do the talking. Otherwise, I'd just be asking Kai about his last poo, um, <laughs> what he's having for dinner, and what he's wearing. Has he got any oh. pets? What's his favourite Xbox game? Uh, etc and so on yeah oh pete colson puts uh thanks kaya sorry for the maya spoof fascinating <laughs> to hear your stuff and we'll sub to your youtube yeah people if you are like he was saying these youtube if you're only listening is um just go to youtube and put k-a-y-a k-a-y-n-a-k-9-7 but um if you miss all of this look go to the scroll down on the youtube if you're listening there all of his links to all of his pages will be in the youtube there'll also be a burkamp one uk go to click all of his things there and we will tweet all of his stuff as well uh because he's been on with uh been on with tom i think he's been on with uh um sophie and, and kev and he's definitely been on with with poor mike from the the, the gooners pod did one with Andrew Osblock the other day as well, which I listened to, which was very good. There you go. So he's um, slamming he on, with us. And he was on with Charles Watts as well, wasn't he? Who will be on this parish next week, Ooh. by the way. Breaking news. Yes, we'll be interviewing uh, Charles Watts on here um, probably Tuesday next week. So Lovely. And I'll be that. getting up early for it. And yes. Gary says, uh, another fellow podcaster from the... Oh, I always forget. I know there's a picture of a road and they have a Volkswagen camper van, but I can't remember. Gary, put your, the link to your, your YouTube channel and Ryan, put your one in there as well. Gary says, outside of the starting 11 from last season, do Kai have a uh, Timo? What's Timo? T- as in Timo, as in. Hang on. Kai and Timo. Timo? Who am I missing? Who am I missing from Tommy Ashi? Tommy, Tommy. maybe it means yeah, Tommy. Maybe. I always think Tommy. Timo Werner when I see Timo. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Um, Katie, I'm sure, I'm sure he'll put us right if we're wrong. Trossard, Jorginho, Jorginho, George gives us starters off the bench to. Good God! Look, we've got we've got an intruder. Oh, he's added himself in. <laughs> Hello, oh God! Who's this? Hello. Hello. How are you? Do you know what I? Do you, does anyone really want to know about my day? No, Go on, not, tell us. Not really. You had a big poo. 
Thanks, Chris. Of course we do. Um, do you know what? Um, I have had the best and worst day ever. Um, I had to do an airport run this morning. Got stuck in traffic. Could have had to get out on the motorway. And you know when you're on the motorway, you really need to go a pee and you can't. But it was funny because a load of men just lined up on the side of the motorway, taking a pee, as you do. Got home, rushed home. Was going to message Danny to say, oh, I can jump on, but it wasn't to be that way. But we, you know what? I'm here now, so it is what it is. You've yeah. missed Kaya. It was brilliant. He had better hair than Chris. It's not really hard, though, is it, to be honest? And he, and he is younger than me. Like, as I said, mine's escaping backwards at an alarming rate. You know, he's got years on me, so... Yeah, you but know. you've got, Chris, you've still got hair. Some of us... Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. That is very true. I've uh, I've I've gone full Hector Bellerin as well. Did you did you see the new tattoo, Danny? No. Yes. Where's that? You... It's on your bottom. No, I can show you it if you wish. Hang on, on. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll show you. I did tweet it, but you're not. I've gone I've gone full Hector. There you go. Look. Hold on, hold on. Let me press the button. I won't. I won't oh. show any more lag than than Who's, that. Is V your new lover? Vi, Vi, Vi. Yeah. No, it's actually Roman numerals for number eight. I do. Which know is that. my uh, which is my lucky number. And uh, if you remember, Hexer had the uh, number two written on his thigh before he left Arsenal. But I wanted it in a bit more, you know, funky text. If so. anyone else is getting Roman numerals, don't get I I I I for four. It's not. It's I V. It's I V. Yes. It is. It is. Carl, indeed. any tattoos you want to show anyone? <laughs> uh, I uh, one does not have tattoos. I haven't, also, we haven't spoke to you for a while. Oh, gone, Chris. I was just going to say, I'm also getting a lot of uh, a lot of heat from from OG about joining this threads. I, I'm not doing it. I'm sorry. I'm not. I've I'm deleted not gonna, it off my phone. Yeah. We've set it up, Carl. The usual pass. No, actually, I'll send you the password because you do all the Twitter stuff. We've got threads, and I've deleted it off my phone because it will take every bit of information. It takes pictures of you having a poo, and it saves mm. them. And I just, I, I feel like, I feel like, what's his face? We'll get Twitter sorted out when he realizes there's competition. He'll, he'll oh, row yeah. back. Once yeah. um, he realizes that um, he's not going to make money and he's going to lose people. And obviously, losing people means losing advertising and exactly. little money that you have. Yeah, he's just going to. Yeah. Back up. I mean, I don't feel sorry for any billionaire in the world, to be honest. Like, so we are where we are. Yeah, I, I, yep. I'm, I'm not going to join until um, until I'm forced kicking and screaming. So, yeah. So, have we huh. signed Declan Rice yet? I, I have no idea. Have we signed No, no. We, we asked we asked Kaya about it. Um, the suggestion is they're holding back. Uh, they wanted to give certain players the day, like, so they gave Alessio Russo, they gave Reese, they gave Saliba the day, like, so it, apparently it's going to be next week, but... There are some suggestions it might be later in the week because they've got to tie up some threads, uh, ironically. And Timber, we think, is going to be in the next 48 hours. So it Kyle sounds like they're both that, done, but it's just, yeah. Kai was saying, Carl, that they've spread everything out. Like when we signed Russo from Man United, uh, let her have her day. And, and uh, the other one with uh, um, Havertz, let him have his day. Um, uh, Reese Nelson signing a contract, Saliba signing the contract. So rather than doing it all on one day, they're just drip feeding us I mean, good news on a, on a bi daily basis. Because you want the good news to last. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I totally I understand and kind of agree with that as well. Because mm. you don't want to share, like, it's not having your birthday, isn't it? You don't really want to share your birthday with someone, do you? So, no. like, it's um, give people the day to talk about you to feel special on twitter like people tweeting you saying oh congratulations i mean 
I guess we all know that the rice deal was probably already done. And mm. I think everybody's waiting for that. So even if that's the last signing of the season, I mean, hopefully, maybe it's not, but even if that's the last signing of the season, we all know it's going to happen. And, you know, I guess Rice is going to be the biggest signing of the season unless someone comes in with a crazy offer for, I don't know, maybe Mbappe or... <laughs> or, like, or you know what I mean? Like, unless that happens. So, yeah, I think as Arsenal fans, we're kind of quietly confident. And if and when... Timber does happen, you know, he would have his day and everyone will celebrate that and, and lord that over everyone in the, um, in the Twitter sphere because, you know, I think Man United were in for him last season and, you know, apparently they were going to get him and obviously he's come to Arsenal now. So, yeah, I, I don't mind waiting. Like, I'm not one of these people that just, oh, it's got to happen now, it's got to happen now. Like, we all know what's going to happen. There's time. I mean, I'm sure he'll be on the plane before the the boys go to America, which Simon said it's on the 16th. So, yeah, um, yeah, time, he'll, yeah. yeah, he'll be on the plane to America. So that's, uh, and that's fine. The one I'm quite excited by is the, the, the rumours that have, I think someone picked up on them today, but I'm going to, I'm going to show this as proof uh, on the WhatsApp. So about, uh, this is about three months ago. I put in one of our WhatsApp groups and I don't know if you can see that. I don't think you can. This message here, um, I don't know if it's going to focus. Eggs, cheese, milk, and underpants. And bread. Anyway, that message there, you can see it's a raw message. So our friend Neil uh, highlighted it this morning um, because the the um, the message I put in the group was, and this was actually sent on February the 16th, 16th um, and I said, here's a low-key one for you. There's a lad at Blackburn we're watching, Adam Wharton, um, the thought is that the reason we're, we're, we're le- willing to let Charlie Patino go is this kid is mustard. So I said that on February the 16th. And uh, apparently he is now actively being discussed about us bringing him in this summer, which I'm quite excited about because, A, it means I'm not a fraud, which is great news. Um, no, jokes aside. But he's a really good player, like really good young talent. And he I feel like he... Right twice a day, Chris. Say again? Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah, true, true. I got a few right in the past, to be fair, but, you know. That's and I know a Blackburn <laughs> fan, so if we sign him, I can get a black. I've been trying to get him. Uh, Aldo Cookie used to do be a radio presenter in the... Uh, I watch in, him in, on Twitch, yeah. You don't? Yeah, I do. Oh, we yeah. follow each other on Twitter. He's he's, uh, he's very he entertaining. Yeah, I Whenever I'm on there, we always end up talking about football, and they, um, it, it annoys people because most of them don't like football. I've never yeah, seen you in there. Yeah, I but yeah, I'm uh, the streamer I mod for um raided him a few weeks ago and I I've followed him ever since. Oh, I've been following yeah, him for about two or three. I keep saying you're gonna come on a show, but hopefully we're gonna draw them in the cup last season, but it didn't happen. Because he, he used to work in radio, didn't he? Uh, yeah. He got fired. He, he did because <laughs> he's uh he's, he's very, very, very good. He is. Yeah, yeah he's, very, he's very a good chap. But yeah, but um but yeah, Blackburn think very highly of him and he's a he's an attacking midfielder and um he sort of broke into the Blackburn team at the back end of last season, uh, scored a couple of goals. I think, I think from memory, he scored in the in the Championship playoffs that Blackburn ultimately went out to Millwall. But yeah, I think he scored a goal in that. He's um, yeah, he's he's very very good. If we can get I'm him really, in, I've really spoken about this. But do you think that I know Patino wants to play because he's you know he wants first team uh, football and okay, he's, 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 he's his right and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but do you think that maybe if he had stayed at Arsenal this season, like, do you think he would have got first team opportunities? Just because I thought my, and I think I might have tweeted it, I said that this year is the year that he will start getting games. 
Like even if it's cup games, like he'll definitely play league cup games. He'll definitely play um, probably early round FA Cup games, uh, and maybe come on uh, in some games. So obviously, he's being guided to leave um, to Arsenal for first team opportunities. But my, my only thing with that is, okay, he's gone to Blackpool. Um, you know, he's got a taste of first team football and played reasonably well, rightly so. But Surely he doesn't now expect to, I don't know, be Premier League level after one season with Blackpool. Mm. Two seasons, sorry, with Blackpool. I I feel like, I don't think he would have, purely because of the talent we've got behind him. But I think he's looking at, I think he's looking at it and thinking, I could go to like a Crystal Palace and be like, Connor Gallagher was. I feel like he could. I, I feel like he's looking at it and thinking, "Yeah, sure, I could go on loan, but then I'll just come back and I'll be in the same position." Whereas if I go to like a Palace or an Everton or a um, insert mid-table club here, Fulham might be a good fit for him. For example, like I feel like he could go in there and become a player that runs the midfield from the day from day one and be straight in the team. So although he's taking a step down in terms of the club size, he will play every week. That's kind of how I. That's kind of how I see it. I just, I think there's a there's a few like that, isn't there? Like there's a few players we've got on our books that you you feel that way. I, yeah, I don't know, and I, I feel like as well he came through because it was around that Forest game, wasn't it? When we were shite that he started getting game time. Mm. Um, I feel like he's almost been a victim of he was like the only one to break through that time. Do you know what I mean? Like he was the only one who was getting regular minutes on the bench, wasn't he, and, and whatnot. Because we had the Smith row, we had the Saka, we had the... Um, who was the other one that came through at that particular... Well, I suppose Martinelli, really. We had all those. Nelson. Charlie Patino was the only one, wasn't he, who was like... I don't know. I, I just... I think I think there's a talented player there, but to to play, where where's his best position? Attacking midfield, right? In the In the 10, I guess? So you're going to have to get past Erdegaard, um, Trossard, Smithrow, arguably. Now Havertz would probably be, even if Havertz plays the eight, they'd probably move him into the 10 if Erdegaard was injured or whatever, wouldn't they? So I I don't know. I just don't, I don't really feel like he's, he hasn't got the physicality to be box to box or defensive midfield. Um, he's got to be in that attacking final third. That's where Blackpool used him. I think like Pete's just put in the chat there, Christian Bielik was another one. Like, he was thought of so highly, wasn't he? But he moved to get first team football. And okay, he's not like progressed from Derby hugely, but he was playing every week, wasn't he? So I don't know. I don't know. I think the only way he would be tempted to stay is if they were if as if they got rid of Partey and they said, right, we're not going to sign anybody else. Because that's the, that's the, just the only way. And I wouldn't I like Kai was saying in the pod, I wouldn't get rid of Partey either. I would keep him for another season. Um, keep Jorginho, you got El Nene there as well. Then you introduce Rice and and uh, Havertz into that position. I'd still like another midfielder, but I feel like if you have that, you've got to go for a Lavia or someone of that description because you, you can't bring in like Shuameni level player and say to him, yeah, you're on the bench. So, so would you want a midfielder um, in addition to keeping Partey or if Partey goes? No, I yeah, I want one as well as party, but a younger one, one one that what we did with Sambi, but a better player. So you bring him in, you say right, this is your first season where you're you know you you're going to get the cup games and you're going to get 
substitute appearances. But then, and we we keep we all keep forgetting Fabio Vieira is still there as well. So is there room? But I don't. Again, I don't think Fabio Vieira. If you're going to categorise attacking midfielders and defensive midfielders, I think we've only realistically got three. Well, four defensive midfielders, and arguably Partey isn't a defensive midfielder, is he? He's a box to box. Whereas I think Jorginho, um, Jorginho Rice, and um, uh, El Nene are more holding or deep lying defensive midfielders, aren't they? Even though they've got the ability to go forward, like uh, Jorginho's passing is is really high level, but he's not an attacking player, is he? So I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a, think, it's a tough one. Yeah, I think, um, I'm, again, excuse me if you've really spoken about this. I know we'd, we're really excited about sort of um, all the buying, but do you think it's time to start getting the selling done? I mean, yeah, um, I know you've you spoken about Shaka already, but um, he's gone, like, excited about that. But do you think, I mean, if we look at all the players that we haven't really spoken about, Tavares, mm. um, Sambi, who, who's still Cedric. there, Pepe, <laughs> Cedric, you know, these, <laughs> are Cedric. Players, these are all players that kind of need to do, need to go. And you kind of still got a question mark over people like Tierney, question mm-hmm. mark over Balogun, question mark over um, Partey as well. So, like, I think whereas everyone's really happy that Eddie's done his stuff buying people, at the moment, we're kind of got a really bloated squad. Chelsea mm. esque. Uh, not that bad, but um, there's there's the homegrown quota as well. You got to think, yeah. About that. So, so I think now is I'm sure now he's um, Eddie's got all the people over the line that he wants. Surely now he's got to start thinking. Okay, I think start getting rid of these people. So yeah, if, are we going to keep Sambi? Are we going to keep Tavares? Are we going to keep Cedric? Are we going to keep Pepe? Who are these players going to? What we do with them? Because at a certain time they're not going to be happy. I mean, some of them won't even make the bench. Majority yeah. of them won't make the bench at all. So what do you do? And we can't just have these people sitting around doing nothing, getting no wage. I feel like... I, I agree with you. I think we have to start working on sales. But the problem we've got is that, aside from Balogun, most of the players that we'd be willing to sell or quote-unquote get rid of or terminate which always sounds a bit brutal um there isn't a market for them right now because even if you look at clubs of like like we said the premier league mid-table the upper championship the the lower end european teams whatever they're all they will have all gone into this summer with their transfer targets in mind so they're going to be pushing for those players so unless you are a player like Balogun who's actively being looked at by several European clubs as their number one choice, people like Cedric, for example, let's pick on Cedric, bless him. Um, people like Cedric, you're, you're only going to sell him or move him on at the end of the window when play, when clubs are panicking and going, oh shit, well, we haven't been able to sign our first choice right back. We haven't been able to sign four or five different right backs. Well, let's just go for Cedric. Do you know what I mean? I think mm. the only player, the only player I can see us terminating is probably Pepe, um, purely because he's a big enough name that somebody will want him as long as they don't have to pay a fee for him. Um, whereas I think there's enough damaged goods element that any club who's looking at him will be like, well, we're not going to pay pay a fee, but we'll take him for free. Um, I mean, is there a market in France for him? 
make or, or in, in Europe. Sorry, it's just yeah, I, I think yeah, I think there is in Europe because it, I think there's if you look at clubs, there's, there's clubs in Germany, there's clubs in France, there's clubs in Italy that I think would be because let's not forget he he hasn't become he hasn't become a bad player overnight. Like, mm. Let's make no bones about it. Some of his off the pitch lifestyle and whatnot was questioned while he was Arsenal. Um, but I thought that interview he gave the other day was quite enlightening about Arteta and sort of saying that actually it, all this crap about Arteta not liking him was just that. It was crap. You know, he was willing to to put in the effort. He was willing to do these things. It's just that things didn't work out. Um, I feel like there is a market for him. But like I say, not if, if you just get his wages off the books, that's something. But then there's a small part of me in the back of my mind that sort of says, if you're giving him away for free... Is his contract what another year long? Is he is he a free agent next summer? I think, or is it two years? I think it's two years. Isn't it? So if it's, say it's two years, if if you're if you're not going to get an offer from like I don't know a Saudi club, for example, who are going to pay through the over the odds, or a club that's willing to to pay a fee of any description, why not just say to him, look, here's your here's your opportunity. You know, well, I'm not saying he's a starter, but if you consider Reese Nelson as quote unquote backup. And you consider like Martinelli, Saka, Smith Rowe in that batch of players, Trossard. I mean, is it the worst idea in the world just to say to him, look, we're going to keep you around until January and see what happens? And because don't forget, he can play three different positions as well. He can play that Trossard position, he can play as a wide forward, left or right, and he can play as a centre forward. So if you're going to get rid of Balogun, is, is it not an idea to have an, a secondary option? I don't know. He, I mean, he wasn't brilliant at Nice. Like, I'm not. I'm not. This isn't like a, the Pepe fan club defenders act. Like, I'm not saying he's suddenly going to turn into prime Zlatan. He's not. But he has still got some workable a- assets, if you will. Thanks, Danny. He's not even French. He's Ivorian, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> and but then he's not. He's not come back for training, has he? So I think maybe we're. Maybe our our, our answer is is there already. If he's not. If he's not come back for training. Um, I don't think he's been asked back. I think that's the truth. So if he's not back in training, he's not going to be considered for pre-season, is he? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I think all the people that weren't playing in summer tournaments. And I and I feel for him because it was not his fault that we paid £72 million for him. Mm. You know, that, and I, I genuinely think, let's be careful what we say here, we can't slander, but if certain people hadn't accepted certain alleged amounts of money in that transfer, allegedly with a big alleged across the, bo- the box, I think he would have cost us 40 million. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I mean, you look at, you look at Sancho, like yeah. in, in Germany, obviously Sancho was, he was world-class. He was brilliant. Gone to Man United <laughs> for more than Pepe. And um, Pepe's put up, I mean, if you compare their seasons, Pepe's put up much better numbers than yeah. Sancho. But yet people are not out here talking about Sancho being a waste of money or Sancho, Doing this, and that moment, I think I saw on Twitter maybe yesterday or today, I can't remember. That Man United looking to get rid of him for 40 million. Now, that's mm-hmm. the massive loss, um, that they're gonna take. But people are not talking about or him being the worst signing in Man United's history or him being, um, whatever it is. And I just think it's it's weird, it didn't work out for Pepe. And you know, I think everyone had high hopes when he came in, and you know, he had the I think there's times he had a little purple patch, and then there were times when, like, he obviously just got frustrated. Then, obviously, mm. the emergence of Saka that Stefan just said he was right. Like, I think Saka came in as sort of just 
work rate. The past him, man, I think that was, I don't want to say the death of Pepe because it's a bit wrong, but that was the the thing that probably even shot his confidence. This like little kid who mm. just come out of the academy is getting games ahead of me and, you know, he's playing better than me. So, yeah, I think like him, he, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad, but and like they're being ruthless and I think that's kind of good in a way. And like Pete said in the chat, was I not thrilled when we signed him? Yeah, I was. Like, because he was the, because that was the player, the player I watched in France the season before we signed him was a player, was the player I thought we were getting. I'd have paid 172 million quid for him at that point because he was so good. Like, he, he single handedly sort of steered Lille into that title winning season. Like, he was brilliant. Um, but unfortunately, when he came to us, we, we never used him. It's the only thing I would ever sit down with Arteta and, and ask if I got the opportunity. I'm sure there'd be plenty of things I'd ask him, but I would ask him, like, why did you not just give him a chance in in the positions that and deploy him the way Lille did? Because Lille's system was quite similar to ours. It was very fluid. That that open front three, that sort of players interchanging positions, switching wings, you know, and listen, like, we've got Martinelli and Saka. But nobody's shedding any tears about where we are now. We're delighted to have those and both of those players have, have leaps and bounds ahead of where Pepe is now. But at the time when we signed him, he was the best player in France. He just was. And when he came to us, it just didn't fit. And it's not it's nothing it's not Arteta's fault if he doesn't fancy him. It's just that that's that's fair enough. We know what Mikhail's like. Kaya said it on the pod earlier on. You know, certain players when when you're in with Arteta, you're in. When you're out, that's it. You're out. So, you know, who knows? But I just feel a little bit sorry for him as a player because I think he had a lot of attributes. But unfortunately, he is also frustrating. He is going to be... Who is the other player we used to have who used to... Do you remember Alex Slab? Yes, uh, he was... The, front, the quickest feet in football. He was yeah. really good. And so then, much talent, but his decision making was just like you know. Sometimes he would just run into corners and like <laughs> even our Chavinesque. You know that the talent was there, but just some of the end product just was lacking. And you know, it is what it is, right? But if you consider him gone, then you like you said, there's others like T- the Tierney stuff is weird because that's gone quiet. But Tierney strikes me as what I said before. You know, we're on transfer deadline day. Newcastle haven't managed to sign Roberto Carlos regen mark three. And they go, okay, fuck it, we'll have Tierney then. Like, I can imagine that happening. Um would you so would you if we were to sell Tierney like tomorrow or whatever it is, mm. would you want us to go out and buy a replacement left back or would you be happy with the likes of Kivior and yeah. or um Tomiyasu being mm-hmm. and whatever money or space that is, use it yeah. somewhere else. I would, yeah, because if you think you've got two right backs now in in Ben White who can play centre back but is now deployed as right back, and then you've got Timber who can do both as well. You've got Tomiyasu who can do both, but not only can he do both, he can play centre back, right back, and left back. Um, Kivior came to us as a centre back. Who could, he came to us as a centre back who could play le- who could play defensive midfield who's now ended up at left back, so you've got multifunctional and let's not forget Zinchenko at left back as well. So obviously his fitness is up and down. the The biggest problem with Tierney for me is I think it's the player. It's not. I don't think we're pushing him out the door. 
I think he just wants to play. And we're in that we're in that era like we were with you know previously under Arsene, like where they don't want to keep players hostage, do they? If they want to play and they've been good eggs, then the club will facilitate the best way they can to move them on. So I don't think it's a question. I don't even think Kirantini is the sort of player who will like kick up a fuss to move. But I think if he gets the opportunity to move and he'll get closer closer to Newcastle or closer to Scotland, sorry, with Newcastle, then sure. I feel like he'll want to do it. But no, if we if, and if we can if they think as highly as they do of Lino Souza, which apparently they do, have him in, in first team squads. You don't have to play him, but start to bring him through. How did we find Ashley Cole back in the day? I think it was Sylvania, wasn't it, with the passport, the passport issue back in the day. And then that opened the door for Ashley Cole, who'd been on loan at Palace, was it? I think it's Palace. Yeah. Um, and we threw him in. And to this day, he's probably been the best left back I've ever seen and probably will be for a number of years, despite his, you know, controversial exit, etc. Let's, let's not let's not deny he was the best left back in the world at that point oh, and probably is the best I've ever seen. So. Yeah, I do have a question for Danny, if you're with us still, um, and Chris as well. So we talk about a lot about Timber, and Timber obviously playing like almost as like an attacking fullback and obviously coming into midfield um, as well. Do you think that if we were to play Zinchenko and Timber at the same time, then we'd have to sacrifice something defensively? Clearly, we couldn't play as one coming into midfield or both of them coming into midfield. But one of them, one or both of them, have to do some sort of defending. So, Danny, do you think if we were to play Zinchenko and Timber together, like, um, as well as like Saliba and yeah, um, do you think we would lose something defensively, or do you think that's something that teams would capitalize on? Or do you think something would have to be done where you'd have to tell one of them you have to stay back this game, or you can't be as attacking as your as you normally are? That's the plan, isn't it? We saw it last season with Zinchenko. Only Zinchenko did it, and that was it. And so if you've got someone on the right-hand side, I, I doubt very much that they're going to go, oh, yeah, off both of you go. They're going to have to look at each other and go, who's going? You're going to go? Or are you going to go? And then whoever doesn't go drops back to make a three, and whoever does go makes sure that they're going to be able to do some tracking back. But I doubt. You, I don't think you could do it if they both ran down there. Unless you're going to get me, Martinelli. It'd be Martinelli and Saka. I mean, Saka tracks back, doesn't he? Martinelli's not that great at it, but he does like to get involved. But then, remember back in the day, we had Gibbs and Clichy on the left-hand side. And we sat a couple of games, Wenger had that, where those two would be both be left-back, both be left-wing-back, and both be left-midfield. And I thought that had legs of it, because Theo... Then we had it on the right-hand side with Sanya and Theo, and Theo had no idea. It was absolute. Must just give the ball away. But yeah, I think that is that, that will be the plan because we've seen how effective it is when Zinchenko came in and then dropped into midfield. And then we go, buddy, yeah, that's bolstered the midfield. And then mm-hmm. if we can do that from both sides, I mean, even Man City don't really. I mean, they try it with John Stones and the uh, that young bloke, don't they? John Stones goes into defensive midfield and that young bloke cuts in from right back. English bloke. but Oh, well, my... Um... But yeah, I think him. The one but, who uh, yeah. came in recently, Mark, uh, uh, not Miles. But, um, Here we go. Oh bloody hell! What's we'll, his name? Just we'll get it. Oh, he's going to look it up. The Carl Walker Regen. What's his name? <laughs> Regen. Oh god, uh, I'm going to look it up. Gonna well, someone will put it in the chat. Yeah, 
Come on, you lazy. We've still got 80 people. What's that? I'm, I've got more mute. They've got, they got nothing here. better to do on a Sunday at six o'clock, half <laughs> a six. Rico Lewis. There you go. That's the one. Rico, Rico Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. That's Who it. sounds like an 80s uh, trumpeter in a jazz band. He sounds like he was part of Dex's Midnight Runners or something. He does. He does. <laughs> well, I'm can going I, back can on I ask, now. Can I ask Carl something? Oh, I'll ask Sorry. you this, Carl. Uh, controversial topic alert. Do you not think this left back into midfield is a bit is a bit overrated. Like, do you think the bold fraud is is getting a bit too much credit for this? John Stones is the new fucking Claudio Marchisio. Because I don't, I don't think he's re. I don't personally think he's re. Um, no, he's not re-engineered the wheel. Like, no. has he? Like, it's just it, John Stones is quite good technically, so he just moves him into holding midfield. It's not rocket science, is it? No, and all you do, you double up on numbers. It's exactly yeah. the same as the always playing three five two. You yeah. play three five two because you want to put enough extra body into the midfield to mm. outnumber someone playing four four two. Bayern have been doing it with Kimmich for years. Yeah, so it's, it's not something that is brand branded to maybe branded to England, but mm. it's not something that's oh my god, like that's brilliant tactics. Like, mm. and as normal, teams will start combating it. There'll be a mm. time where someone will be like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're now going to um, instead of playing four in the middle, we may play five and just put one person up front and drop that person back. It's, it, it, it's, yeah. I mean, exactly like if you think of someone like Brentford, where Brentford play with Embremo and um, uh, Betting Boy up front. Um, Tony. Yeah, Tony. They play those two up front. What's the to adding that putting Buemo in midfield. Mm. So once you and let's face it, Tony is good enough to be a lone striker. He can hold up the ball and have people running up to him. So it's again that's the way of combating it. If you want yeah. to match numbers in midfield, you probably have to sacrifice the person up front. So it's not not something that's hard. Like it's I just feel like it's like a it's like a Gary Neville wank circle jerk, isn't it? Like it's just this it's a yeah. it's a good it's a good story for the journalist to like run with and say, "Oh, it's amazing," but is it really? Like, I mean, yeah. yeah. If I was playing, if you're playing against Man City, I would play four five one. Yeah, then you matched up them up. Then you matched them up in midfield, and yeah. because you've got someone like Tony good enough or a striker good enough to hold up the ball, then you have runners on that. So it's not. It's not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm saying it's not rocket science. There's a reason why um, I'm not the Man City manager, but you know. Um, if, if even if you're going to do that, that's what you're going to do. So, yeah, it's not hard. I mean, yeah, I mean, talking about it is one thing, executing it is another thing. And Mangan City do execute it very well. Let's be very honest. Let's not, yeah, I mean, they they do yeah. they they do things really well alongside those 116 charges that are still pending. They they've done things really well. Um, <laughs> but you have to put that asterisk into everything that is said. What did you make of Gabriel Jesus's comments about? the bold fraud and saying that how he oh, basically shoved Sinchenko ahead of him in that game and that yeah so that's quite enlightening yeah I'd like him to be man up a little bit to be honest with you <laughs> I don't know why do really? yeah do you know what like as a footballer nothing's guaranteed um, even there's times I mean let's face it Arteta's a, a prime example where someone could be playing really really well and he'll just drop them from the squad mm. It is what it is. I think um, you have to 
take the run in the smooth of it. I don't think, as much as we call him the bold fraud, he's, he's a, the man's a tactician. And unfortunately, he is. He's, he's you know, with the 115 charges, yes. But he's a tactician. <laughs> so, like, and there must have been a reason why he didn't put Gabriel Jesus in the squad for that game. Who knows what it is. But, you know. Um, his his so, argument will be we won, isn't it? That's going to be his argument. Or no, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, and that's the thing. So he's kind of he's vindicated, I guess. Um, and the best thing for Gabriel Jesus to do is to show him the reason why he left. Like, yeah, go go out there and go and get me twenty five goals a season because I don't know whether Gabriel Jesus is capable of doing twenty five goals a season. I hope he is and. Um, is he jury's out? Hmm? Jury's out, isn't it? On yeah, that, I, like I, we I we all love Gabby. Like I'm not criticising him, but you know the jury's out in in terms of can he yeah. do it? Can he get you to course the season? I don't know. I I hope I want him to prove me wrong. I don't think he can. But this is why I think we compensate because we've got Saka who will get you ten goals a season. Martin Lenny who will get you ten to fifteen goals a season. You've got um, people that will pop up with goals. You've got Odegaard who will pop up with at least 10 goals, hopefully this season, you know. So, and I just hope that this season, Arteta says to him, you know what, let them do what, let the other players do what you want to do. We want you to score goals. So kind of like you to stop playing in defensive midfield or being uh, on the right wing. Stay up front because sometimes when we tack, I'm not saying that he's not fast, but he's not as fast as uh, Saka or as fast as Martinelli. So sometimes they're missing in the attack. He's missing in the attack. So I would love Gabriel Jesus to get 25 goals this season. I'll, I'll be I'll be ecstatic if he got 25 goals this season. Yeah, I'd uh, take 20 to be fair. Yeah, and I just hope he he can do that because he's we know he's a good player and we know he likes to run around the pitch and help out everywhere, but. Sometimes you just need to let other people do what they do and you just do your job. And, and this is this is where the argument, like we said, we're kind of about keeping Balogun sort of bleeds in, doesn't it? Like, if you can keep him happy and you can say to him, look, you will play some games, then there's an argument to keep him, isn't there? Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's just the money. Like, we've got to get some money back somewhere and he's the most sellable asset. Yes, uh, effectively, Arsenal could have two squads. And I think, I just hope we don't see the same Arteta as last year where he runs certain players into the ground. Mm. Um, you know, I think Danny, <laughs> I think was talking about it a while ago, I want to probably him, where he was saying that Saka played, isn't it something stupid, like 68 games in the world? Games, yeah. Something along them lines. And plays every game, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah that can't For happen. England as well. That, that cannot happen next season. It just, it just can't. Like there's mm. going to have to be games where Saka sits out a whole game, doesn't come on at all. You're going to have to trust your squad just a little bit. And the fact that we're going to be playing Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, maybe a couple of Sunday games thrown in there. Um, and then you're going to have League Cup, you're going to have FA Cup. These games are going to come thick and fast. I mean, I think everyone's seen our fixture list and we've seen our December. There's nine games in December, nine Premier League games in December without mm. a rest at all. Like there was, there's no way that everyone can play those nine games. So, like you were saying, Balogun, 
there's going to be games where Bellingham's going to start. If we're playing, I don't know, Everton at home, no disrespect, or Luton at home or someone like that, you know, you don't have to play Saka. You don't have to play Martinelli. You don't have to play Odegaard. You know, you throw in those sort of people. And those are the, those are the people who, you know, will come on and prove their worth. In the League Cup, like, you say to them, that's your competition. You know, Saka is nowhere near the League Cup. Martinelli is nowhere near the League Cup. This is your competition. And prove, win the game and stay in there and this, will, and this will be yours. We can't have Saka dead on his feet. I mean, um, like Phil was saying, last year, towards the end of the last, what, five, six games? Just be honest, Saka was poor. Because oh, yeah. It was, it was bad management, yeah. He yeah, was absolutely shattered. Yeah. He, he should have been, for me, his, and his confidence went after the West Ham penalty miss as well. Um, his game went downhill after that, which, you know, it, there's a mental aspect there. I, I I don't know about you guys as well, but I always I always wonder about this line of, well, you'll get the League Cup games. That could be one game. Like, I, I never quite understand what? when people say, and I don't mean you, Carl, I mean, I just in general no, 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 say, oh, I say he'll, he'll, you'll get the Cup games. So mm-hmm. you're saying to a player, yeah, you might get three games. Well, that's... <laughs> like, you know, e- even you if you play... score five goals like Carlos Vela did against Sheffield United or whatever, doesn't mean you're going to get the early team next week, does it? Like, yeah, but this is why you play well to stay in the cup, and this is why you know if we're winning a game three nil after seventy minutes, you hope fingers crossed that Arteta would rotate. All right, Saka, we got Barcelona in the next round, um, next game in the Which you know Oh yeah, and then Bayern Munich. <laughs> Yeah, and then away to bloody some um, Ukrainian somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, yeah, so that's what you're hoping that you know we're winning two, three nil, take off Saka, you know, or and that's your game. You know, Mm. some people don't have good games, and you take them off, and they may change the game. You know, that was kind of what Eddie and Ketty's game was built on. You know, Mm. something wasn't happening. I'd throw Eddie on just to mix it up. Kind of like Yaya Sonogo esque, and he's another one that I want to. I want to. I want to see Eddie do well. Like I'm, I'm not in this camp of oh Eddie shoots. Like he's he's clearly not shit. He's Arsenal. Like he's clearly not shit. I just, I don't know. I I just want him to have that breakthrough season. You know, I I want him to be that guy who, who offers us ten, twelve goals from the bench. Like that's the criticism people have him, isn't it? He doesn't do it off the bench. No, he's never scored. Was coming on substitute apparently. No, which yeah. is when, which is what he's going to be realistically. But you kind of want him to put pressure on Jesus, like you want him to be up there. That and and you, like we said to Kainer, you can't sell Balogun. Um, and oh, sorry, you can't sell Enketia and keep Balogun because Balogun has said he wants to play. It's not a question of what his competition around him is. It's not a question. He just wants to play. So it'd be pointless to sell Eddie. Because you then you've got you've still got a striker who still isn't going to play. So what's the point of that? Do you it's think just a weird one? Do you think it's a possibility that Jesus could play right wing? People have been saying that, haven't they? I, 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 I'm not saying I'm not, drop it. I'm not saying drop Eva. No, but move him around. Yeah, rotate for certain games. Yeah, rotate for that. We also forget the fact we got. We always forget we've got Trossard who can play that false nine, so he changes your system, so you can move Jesus there. 
we're, we're relying on the fact that Martinelli and Saka will play a full season, which we may not. They may not. Um, there's still the talk of Martinelli being moved central at some point. Um, I don't. I don't mind the idea of Jesus wide, but the the, the thing I, the only thing I can't get my head around with with the way Mikel's building that forward line is. I, I can't shake this idea that we could just do with a plan B striker. And I, yeah. I know everyone always says you're rude, but just someone who, a big physical presence who can hold the ball up, you know, who can do the ugly side of the game when you're, you know, you're two one down away to bloody West Ham in December and it's 75 minutes on the clock and you just need something different. You know, I, I love these technical forwards, but, Sometimes you just need a John Arson. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you need a a, a fit Dominic Calvert Lewin. I'm not saying. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But um, someone of that ilk. Um, yeah. I know people are spoken about Vlaovic. Well, no, because he's not first team football, and mm. he's not going to. He's it. established, isn't he? Like he's not, and he's not a big centre forward that you hit the ball with anyway. He, yes, he can do that, but that's not his strength. It's not. You need like. I, I, I don't know a name, but you need like someone from like the championship who, you know, one of the ones where his whole job is trap it on the chest, hit it down, and give yeah. it to Saka. Or, it's what Shiru did, or, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. literally, yeah. that is his job. Like some, and I, like I said, I have I don't have a name at all, and I'm sure Chris, you could probably mention someone in France. Um, but again, not really. Like, like, <laughs> There's not many around. Even if there was to be that, these people um, are not going to. One, they're going to come in for cheap because if Arsenal coming for you, mm. like you're saying, like you're going to be that job. They're going to want a, probably a high transfer fee and also uh, a high wage. But they're not going to do that. Um, one, unless you get rid of both Nketiah and Balogun, because we can't have four forwards we can't mm. even, like even having three forwards at the moment is crazy so it's one of those good problems to have but mm. it's still a problem um, and it, it depends on what you do and I'm sure at the moment you've got sort of all the three forwards in training at the moment and I think they're going to Germany so today they're going to Germany for a training camp and I'm sure Arteta will have an absolutely long look at both Balogun and yeah. uh, and Ketia. but at the same time, it's who comes in for you. You know, Arsenal's mm. price, and they, I think they said something like fifty mil. If you don't get it, then and we're not getting that. But we said again, talking to Kaina, like I remember what I said, thirty mil. That, but yeah, we're not um, gonna. And and also in the chat, let's highlight what Stefan said there. I know a few people have said like Havertz is the player who could do that role. I don't. I don't think so. I think he was really badly used at Chelsea. I, d- I don't think he's a centre forward. His best days at Leverkusen were not as a, a centre forward. It was as a, a an attacking wide forward or an attacking ten. He's not. He's not a centre forward, is he? Like I just don't think that's the best part. No. And if you're buying him in f- for midfield, like you don't buy a Ferrari to go to the shops, do you? Like you buy it for, you know. The, the glitz and the glamour of the days. You don't buy him for the, the day-to-day trip to Asda, do you? So if he's going to play midfield, you don't then take him out and say, oh, actually, we'll play you up front. Surely, we haven't even seen him play yet, of course, but I feel like he's been bought. Well, didn't, didn't Mikel say he's he, he was a midfielder in that interview? Yeah, and I think he's 
going to be used as the left eight, let's be honest, because if he's not yeah. used, then who else is there unless you play Rice and um, Partey together, which I don't know yeah. works. Or Jorginho. I've got a feeling Jorginho might start the season, you know, weirdly. I've got a feeling he might start with Rice. Don't know I why, mean, just has a feeling. Yeah, it, it, it's something, like I said, it's one of them good, bad problems, but I think. I do think selling is going to be uh, something that we need to do. Yeah. Very shortly as well, for sure that we've got to balance the books as well. So where yeah. Tavares goes, does Nunu go to a, I don't know, a Burnley alone? Does he go to like a different palace? Like, uh, I think those talks are ongoing, aren't they, about Sambi? I think, I think they're in talks with Burnley about that. I don't think it's like advanced, but I think they're in regular contact about that one. Tavares will go... Tavares will probably go somewhere like Serie A Bundesliga, I think, because his, his game will suit that. Um, I don't, again, I don't know if clubs can afford him in France because his wages are fairly chunky. Marseille would like him back, but I don't think they can afford him. Um, and they've got a new coach, so there's new ideas there as well, so that'll change things. Um, I don't know. I, I Yeah... There, you're right, selling is going to be the hard part, but then that's the part that Eddie's going to work on. I just think that there'll be a lot of deals done late. I think there'll be a lot of... We, we've been so focused on getting players through the door, um, and clearly the KSC loans are covering that. I think the getting the money back in will be... That'll come later, unless we get... like There's talk of Chelsea looking at Balogun, isn't there now? And I think people have put two and two together and made 26. Just... Just because Pochettino said, you know, we're interested in adding another forward. Well, that's because he's, he's currently... There's no way he's not going no. to. No, and that's because we've they, they've currently got Aubameyang, Lukaku and fucking, I don't know, somebody out behind the bins. Well, right, well, right. I suppose they've got Nico Jackson, but he's not guaranteed, is he? He's a new signing. Don't know how he's going to settle. So Chelsea do need a centre forward. Do you know what would be really funny is if Chelsea went and bought Harry Kane? That would be fucking hilarious, wouldn't it? There's uh, no you, way Daniel Can Levy you imagine sells. the meltdown? <laughs> yeah, I think there's no way that you leave yourselves playing to Chelsea. But, like, um, that would be funny. I, I really came to leave. I know it's not a top of podcast, but fuck, if they, if they still came, they are fucked. Like, literally, do, my language. Do you think they're open to it, though? Because Bayern have come back in with 80 mil today, haven't they? So he's got one, le- the, one year left on his contract. The problem is, if they will be stupid. Not to sell. I'm not just saying this from an Arsenal perspective. No, I agree. I'd sell him. Yeah, I think they're clinging like, on. He's, he's 30 years old. Like yeah. he is indicated, or by all means, that he's not looking to sign another contract. He wants. Yeah. To. Um, and I know you think you can. And um, the problem is Daniel Levy. He's probably thinking, I've got a year to try and convince him to stay. Mm. I've told you there is no way I'm going to. Um, sign up. Let's be very yeah. honest. Tottenham are not even just take up my Arsenal hat, put on my football hat. You've got a, a manager who's done well in Scotland, but let's be very honest like anyone could do well in Scotland. Steven Gerrard, fucking when unbeaten in Scotland, says it all, doesn't it? Um, that's the Saudi prince, Steven Gerrard, to you. Yeah, so he went unbeaten in Scotland, so it just shows you what kind of nonsense that league is. Like, you've got. <laughs> Eric Dyer, literally Dyer by name, Dyer by nature. He's still there. You kind of get, I mean, like, you've got these players like Son, who is taking a nosedive, I don't care what he says. He's, and he's getting old as well. You've got mm. Harry Kane, who is, 
I don't get, he is he's a very good striker. He is. He can put the ball in the back of the net. But even he's getting old now. So at a certain point, you know, Harry Kane wants to win things. Like whether it be with Tottenham, whether it be he, he clearly does want to win things. He's not going to win F all with Tottenham. Now, mm. does he want his career to be the person, the guy who was a good player but never won anything in football, never won a single thing in football? Mm. Where he goes to Bayern Munich, he's Guaranteed he's a new, league. Like, he's Lewandowski, isn't he? Basically, yeah, he's yeah. going to put the ball in the back of the net and he's going to get goals. Now, the only thing I may say is, does he want to stay in England because he wants Adam Shearer's record? Now, yeah. so then you're weighing up between what's more, my personal glory of being the highest Premier League goal scorer ever, which if he says at Tottenham or he stays in England, he will break no matter mm-hmm. who he goes, he's going to break. Or does he go to Bayern Munich and win things? Now, if you're Daniel Levy, you've got to think to yourself, this is 80 million that I could get. And being mm-hmm. best. If I then, I mean, technically it will cost them nothing. Harry Kane cost them nothing. So he's going to, so if he's losing for nothing, they've profit. made, yeah, they've made, they've made nothing. But this is 80 million pound profit you can get. And go and get, it wouldn't surprise me if they went and go and um, went and get Vlaovic from Juventus for, for, with 80 million. Then they probably would go there. But I don't, I don't see, what does he the benefit of keeping Harry Kane because he's a very good player? I just don't know what benefit keeping him, him leaving for free mm. gets you. Pride comes before a fall. Like, and if they keep him and send him for, oh, he walks away for nothing, people are going to be looking at Daniel Levy saying, what the hell? Are you, on on the record thing, I can't remember who it was, but there was a journalist talking about this the other day, and they were saying that, so he's 30, he's got time to go away and come back. And still get the record. He he has time to go away for a year at Bayern, two years at Bayern, and then come back and sign for either a lesser Premier League team or even go back to Spurs, which probably is likely. Because how many goals is he short? Like fifty odd or something? Yeah, it's not many. He only needs a couple of decent seasons, even at thirty-four. Like he only needs a Jamie Vardy season. He's got time to come back and still make that record. So, you know. How he's going to learn German? That, I mean, that's a whole other kettle of fish. But I mean, I, but yeah, I mean, I don't want to speak about him too much longer. But I, I was just intrigued because, because if I was a Spurs fan, I mean, a, I, I can't say that on live on air, but you know, you know what I'm thinking. Um, but yeah, if I was a Spurs fan, after I dissected myself and drained myself in bleach, I would probably be saying to the club, yeah, that, let's as much as we love him. It's time to say goodbye. Uh, I I would let him go, and because they need to rebuild that, just signing James Madison is not going to transform them. Into and they're a... obviously, and they're obviously short of a bit of money because I think they're kicking up that they've raised all the tickets. Oh yeah, they've raised these tickets. So, like, clearly, they need some money. Clearly, because um, <laughs> they haven't got the sponsorship rights to the to the, to the stadium, have they? Yeah, they still haven't, and they thought they'd have naming rights by now, and they still haven't. Yeah. So, so clearly. They need a bit of money. Surely you cash on him, and you do. You you get eighty mil for Harry Kane, and then you go and get a Vlaovic or a I don't know. No one put it so no one you buy in real football is going to replace the goals that Harry Kane gets. You no one because he's no. he's good in 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 Tottenham. But you get someone who at least can put the ball in the back of the net, and whoever that may be, it, it doesn't matter. But yeah, they're, they they're got. Seeing, They've they've got Richarlison, Carl. So it'll, it'll all be fine. Like they've got they've got oh. Richarlison. 
that's, um... and the only other one I was going to ask you about because I'm conscious we don't want to go on forever. Um, what Man United did with De Gea—that's fucking nuts, isn't it? Like, that offer sh- the guy a contract, lead him up the garden path, and then pull it and, <laughs> and let him walk away. I know he's not the best keeper in the world, but he's been there like seven years, eight years, or something. Yeah. Like, I think it's that's kind of. I think it's, it it's sad because clearly the manager didn't fancy him. I think yeah. all those talks would have done. And, you know, he's literally, he agreed, didn't he? And it's just literally yeah. into paper. Yeah. And the manager, I think it was the manager who said, no, I don't want him. Like, yeah. And... I, I think it's because they didn't realise that Onana was actually available because Inter were saying they wanted to keep Onana because he's very good. And, and Inter have just let go of Handanovic after like 400 years on their books. So I think they were banking on keeping keeping him. But I think the only way Inter can get Lukaku back, why they want to, I, I don't know. Mm. But the only way they can do that is by raising funds, by selling one of like Onana or Barella or Latara Martino. So if I think they've looked at it and gone, well, goalkeeper's easy to replace. They can get Jan Sommer in for five million quid, which is nothing. They can sell Onana for what? What are they talking about? Forty odd million, something like that. To United. Yeah, I'm surprised that he's gone for that. I thought they would hold out, mm. say, I don't know, fifty minimum. Yeah, in the current plus. market. Yes, yeah. yeah, so I'm. I'm quite shocked that they've done that. But clearly, you know, there's a reason why they want Lukaku. And I think they want the money in. I, I don't like you, do, Chris. I don't see why they want Lukaku so bad because he's not um, the best player and he's not good personally. No. I think he is. But, and they still don't have a centre forward either. Let's not forget they're still relying on Martial being fit for more than half a half a game, and Rashford actually finding consistency over a whole season, which he never has done yet. You know, don't get it wrong; he is very good, but he's 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 another one like Mbappe who wants to play wide. He doesn't want to play as a number nine, does he? So, who are they gonna? Although I am quite annoyed that they are interested in Rasmus Hoyland because this kid is really good, really good. Like. He's he's got Haaland potential if they if they sign him. So although he's Danish, but I like him a lot, so I kind of don't want that to happen. I'd like to see Man United like spaff their wad up the wall with someone like I don't know. I'm trying to think like a washed up veteran striker, <laughs> Scofer Veghorst again, but <laughs> <laughs> and they still haven't sold Maguire yet, have they? So. He, he might end up at Spurs. No one, haven't they? Because they're still because they're talking about they want to sell Fred, they want to sell McTominay, they want to sell Wambasaka, um, who yeah. let's not forget was fifty million pounds. Let's just laugh at that again. No, but they want to um, Sancho. Like so, all these people they want to sell, and everyone's just like, mm, "Nah, you're all right." Don't know about that one. Um, San- Sancho's the one that you would take a gamble on, isn't he? If you could, because there's a player in there. But so I, I think I tweeted this as well. I said that I would. For forty million, mm. that's worth it. Yeah, not for us because no, 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 we no, no, don't no. need him. But if you're yeah. like, even if you're Tottenham, yeah, yeah, why would you not go for Sancho for forty million? Yeah, or even a, like could Dortmund afford to bring him back? I mean, like, yeah, I'd... well, they've got that um, been in the money. Yeah, yeah, true. So yeah, but if I was a team like Tottenham, I, I'm going for him. Um, yeah. Newcastle, even, maybe? Newcastle, do they need him? Yeah. I don't know. They're running out of clubs. Well, Liverpool, I mean, would you suit Liverpool or Chelsea? Well, Chelsea have got Sterling, haven't they? So, 
he probably would suit Liverpool if you want to. They've I mean, no, because you've got Salah, uh, however long he's got, and then you've got Diaz. Oh, yeah, I suppose you've got that. What's the Colombian kid who's back to fitness now? And it's Luis Diaz, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Diaz and Salah. Yeah. So, no, it's, mm, I guess, it probably don't need him then, realistically, do you? No, but I, yeah, I, for 40 million, if you're a club, you, you take the gamble. No, 100% yeah. take the gamble. Um, yeah. Just quickly, Chris, I guess we're going to take questions quickly. So if you've got questions, people put them in the chat. Um, yeah. You haven't already. Um, Mbappe, I, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> we, we can't not talk about him, I guess, can we? Just because. So I guess everyone, I'll let you talk about it, Chris, because I guess you, you're more informed. But essentially what's happened or what I've seen is a load of players have gone to the president. So he did an interview, what, back in June or Back, back, yes, when, about a month ago with France football, yeah, and um, obviously not come out. And he's kind of slating the players, um, bit of the club just a little bit. And mm-hmm. obviously, it's been released now. And then, essentially, a group of players have gone to the owners of the club or the management of the club mm-hmm. and said, We don't want him at the club, or to those effects, like mm-hmm. those words. And still, Mbappe's digging his heels in because he's saying. I'm going to be at PSG this next next season and I'm mm-hmm. not leaving, I'm staying. PSG are saying, big man, the only way you're staying here is if you <laughs> sign a new contract. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're leaving because we're not having you walk away for free. Mm-hmm. Essentially, I think I've got that right. Yeah, 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 spot on. So <laughs> what happens, Chris, moving back? <laughs> Well, there has to be there has to be an outcome because you can't have both these scenarios. the The problem is Mbappe has taken player power to a new level, and it's almost a bit dangerous what he's done because he's very intelligent. Like he's a very switched on lad, and so is his family and the people look after him. He knows his worth, and we're in we're almost in like Bosman territory of something that could change football. Because do you remember he? He also had this disp- dispute with France where he said, like, you're not using my image rights for these products because I'm not I don't endorse these products. I don't want to be part of this. And France, the, the French national team had to change their whole promotion of players because of image rights, because of Mbappe, because he said, I'm not doing it. End the story. I'm I'm a very marketable asset. You want me on all the cover of everything. Well, I'm not doing it unless you get rid of these companies and you replace them with these. So he was actually dictating who the sponsors were. Um, but then some people will say oh, well, that's arrogance, that's diva material, that's it. I don't agree. I just think he's very, very clever. He, like, whether you want to, you can have your Haaland's on that. Mbappe is the best player in the world right now. He is, fact, right? End of story. It's not even up for debate. When Haaland's won a World Cup or, you know, has done what he did this season on, on a consistent level, yeah. come back to me. Um, I'm not saying he's not good. He's clearly very good, but he's not in Mbappe range. Mbappe has got, he's got the marketing deal with Nike. Uh, he's one of their biggest earners. He's won a World Cup. He's won a European Champions uh, uh, Nations League. He's he's already on the way to being a Liga top goal scorer. He's got Real Madrid are going to sign him. He's going to go there at some point. As Wally's just put in the chat and Steph has just put in the chat, the problem in this situation is PSG. It's not an Mbappe problem. And yeah, is there an element of Mbappe being arrogant? Yeah, absolutely. But Messi's arrogant. Cristiano Ronaldo's arrogant. Diego Maradona was arrogant. Pele to his dying death, dying day was an arrogant fucker. Like the best players in the world, you follow Formula One. Like, look at the drivers in there. The ones who win are the arrogant ones. Like, that's you have to have that to be to reach the elite level. All Mbappe has done is said, 
as Rudy's just put in the chat, he just played PSG. He said, look, you wanted me to sign this deal. I've done what you've asked me to do. PSG have shot themselves in the foot now because they're trying to hold a player hostage. It's almost like a Nelka situation that we had, like, mm. you know, sell me or or put, or put I'll go on strike. And that's where we're in. That's the sort of territory we're in. But PSG can't afford to go on put Mbappe on strike or, or bench him, if you will, because they need him because they don't have another striker yet. And they don't, and they certainly don't have a striker of that level. Neymar's still there, for God's sake. Like, what? Well, that's all gone quiet. What's happening with him? They've already let, let go of Messi. Mbappe is PSG. They've actually made some really good signings this summer. They brought in Skriniar. They brought in um, Kangyun, uh, Kang from Mallorca, who I follow. He's a really good player. They just signed Lucas Hernandez today from Bayern. Um, they brought in Aguarte and Marco Sensio. Six players. Like they are reforming, rebuilding that squad. They are looking to do things differently next season. But all of that's completely irrelevant if Mbappe walks out the door. So I think Nasser has um, shit the bed here massively. And I think he's trying his best to force Mbappe's hands because they don't want... And they say, oh, you know, you can't let a player walk away for free. One of the few clubs in world football that can afford to let Mbappe walk away for free is PSG financially. But what they can't afford to lose is all the marketing, is the, the sponsorship deals and the clout. Like you're trying to be one of Europe's biggest clubs and you let the best player in the world walk out the door for free. It doesn't look very good, does it? Hmm. So they, they, from their point of view, they have to sell him. Like they absolutely have to sell him. But if Real, Real are saying, we're not going to buy him at all next And they won't. Year. No, they so, won't pay and then let's be honest. So there are a handful of clubs in. So just qu- very, very quickly, a price tag on Mbappe. One year left on his deal. What? One hundred and fifty does... million before they even start talking. Right. Even with even with a year left, one hundred and fifty right. million so before they even sit million. down. Yeah. There are literally maybe three clubs in the world that can afford that. Well, there's three clubs and Barcelona yeah. leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, comes in Europe. Yeah, well, that's the world, isn't it? He's not going to go anywhere else. He's not going to go to Saudi at his age. No, 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 he's not. But they could afford him. So I'm just trying to yeah, yeah, narrow the market down. It's probably three clubs in 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 the whole of Europe that can afford him, and that's and that's before before his minimum half a million a week wages, and and again minimum. Yeah. So and then you get him to keep all his image rights or whatever he earns. So. Yeah, and then even that. So after you talk about 150 million, and then you talk about his wages, that probably narrows down to maybe two clubs in the world that can afford him. Mm-hmm. Five million a year at least. So he's not going to Man City. They've all. I think Pep's already. Well, I know it's a bluff, but already said we're not interested in Mbappe. I mean, when you got a player like Mbappe, you fit him in no matter. What. Yeah, they, they'd be interested, but yeah, yeah. but you it's the FFP. Doesn't matter where. It doesn't say we don't need him. It, yeah, you may not yeah. need him, but you, you take him. Like, so he, so he, he gets in there. Real Madrid have already said we're not spending any money because, especially when they know they can get him for free, and there's no way conversations haven't already been had with Real Madrid and Mbappe's people mm-hmm. to say, you know, you come for us for free, we'll give you a million, we'll give you a million a week mm-hmm. because we're going to get you for free. We're getting you for nothing. So take a million a week. Yeah, easy. Yeah. Um. So. And the PSG are digging the heels and then saying, all right, we're just going to sell you to the highest bidder. We're going to accept the bid from whoever. 
Mbappe doesn't need to turn up to. Um, a t- <laughs> I will have our chat with. Mbappe doesn't need to turn up to any meetings to discuss personal contract because he just say because he's under contract. Yeah. So he's done nothing wrong. Yeah. So really and truly, there's only one winner here, and that's Mbappe. Because yeah. And like you said, even if PSG said, "Okay, we're just going to bench you," Mbappe's literally going to shrug his shoulders and be like, "And." Okay, so, well, <laughs> so still going to go to France for the Euro. The, the, the Euros, yeah. Fifty mil, uh, fifty grand a week, or however much he's on. I'll, I'll um, go and sit in the Bahamas for a month, for a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm still yeah. guaranteed. I'll keep myself fit. I'm guaranteed. I'm going to get into the France squad, no matter yeah. what. I'll Again, it's an Elka, isn't it? Yeah, I'll go run up and down like yeah. to Champs Elysees. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'll, <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do whatever. That's I a pain in the ass, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. Um, I'll do whatever I can to keep fit because I'm going to... And in a year's time, I'm still going to be Kylian Mbappe. Yeah, he has all the power. Yeah. So, therefore, do PSG come to some sort of deal with um, Real and say, OK, we're not going to get 150 from you, but can mm. we get 75? 80. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly what I think. Because you said there's there's only three or four clubs who could afford him. There's only one club he wants to go to. That's the other. That's the other issue you've got. Um, so again, going back to Anelka, you remember when Anelka was us with us? It was almost exactly the same situation with his brother, wasn't it? Uh, Arsenal knew that he wanted to go. Real Madrid was the only club in the bidding. Um, and that remember all summer they were talking about even back then, like 80, 90 million. And what did we settle for? Like is it 75 or something? I can't remember, but it was it was a record sale. But we we were we were doing the whole standoff all summer, and then eventually right at the end of the window, a quiet deal. It all got sorted out. Off he went to Real and he was delighted. Like, it, if Mbappe, it's all about Mbappe now. Because if he really does want to stay at PSG for another season, because from his point of view, this might just be him going, look, I don't want to upset the ultras. You know, he does love Paris. He does. He does love playing for PSG. But he's also been very critical of PSG. Like, what is it? He called them a divisive club the other day, like in that interview. Because they are. Because they're badly managed. And me and Jez have been saying this on our French pod for, for months, that they're so badly run for a club with that much money. But if he if he wants to go to Real Madrid, which he does, he gave PSG that one extra year last year. They agreed to that contract. Like, you know, it's like it's like you work at you being at work tomorrow, uh, Carl, and somebody comes in from, I don't know, Northeast Rail and says, right, Carl, we'll double your salary. Um, come work for us. We, you, you're going to consider it, aren't you? Yeah, but, if you've, but if you've got a contract... And you sign that contract and then you get up to the job and they go, oh, yeah, sorry, Carl, we made a bit of an error there, mate. We can actually only offer you 10% of that. Well, you're going to go, well, it sounds like a you problem to me. That's not a me problem. You offered me that money. So yeah. he, he it, it all comes down to the player. If he wants to go, and just to bring it back to Arsenal, by the way, I'm sure we're very interested in him. Who the hell wouldn't be? <laughs> um, and I think if the circumstances were different, I don't think he would be against playing for Arsenal or Liverpool or... Man United, but his heart is set on on Real Madrid. We missed our chance when Papa Wenger went to visit him in Monaco. But oh, um, that was my next question. I was going to say, do you want to bring yeah, ships in the night and all that? But he uh, always wanted to play for PSG, so nothing was going to change his mind. Um, we're we're probably going to talk about it on our French pod at some point, so we won't bore our viewers forever. But the l- very last question on him: Do you think there's a chance that a club gets him on loan? For astronomical, so yeah, that would be a way around it, wouldn't it? Yeah, a ten million pound loan deal, possibly uh, with not with a with a, a an obligatory bid afterwards. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but then but then also 
Real Madrid have to find if if Real Madrid look at this and go look we you know we can get him for free next summer we'll we'll keep our powder dry. There's a reason Real Madrid have let Benzema walk. It's not just about the fee they you know about the fact he's old etc. He he he's on massive wages and there's all this talk that they're prepared to let one of Ferdi Valverde or Schuermeni go or you know they they've got sellable assets at Real Madrid. Mm. I mean, they could even let Vinicius go if they really wanted to, because of all that's gone on with him. Um, you know, and if he what if he said, "Look, I'm sick and tired of this racist league," he, he you know he could he could walk. But I don't think they will because he's a massive sellable asset in the future yeah. as well. But they have to make if if they wanted to sign him tomorrow, and PSG dug their heels in and said, "Right, well, we want at least 70, 80 million. You know, Real Madrid can't find that down the back of the sofa. They they're still going to have to raise the funds. Um, so I would say they'd probably have to sell two first-team players if that was the case. Um, so, I mean, oh, I don't know, mate. It's going to run all summer. Isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be mm. very interesting. And like you said, even just not just him. Um, uh, is, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, well, that, I, th- I, think, I think Neymar will end up in Saudi. I, I think that's... Do you think Saudi or do you think Chelsea will put a cheeky bit? Uh, I just... Can you imagine Pochettino and Neymar again? He couldn't handle him when he was at PSG yeah, before. That's, don't that's, that's probably very, very true. Yeah, I, I, I think Neymar will take a very quiet, lots of money in Saudi. Like, and again, I know people have their thoughts on him, and I know he's a divisive figure in terms of how he play acts and all that. But unbelievable footballer on his day has it all. It basically Ronaldinho of his generation, but maybe not quite Ronaldinho's level because he didn't win as much. Yeah. But he had it all. Like he had it all, but he'd rather piss it up the wall and go partying in Brazil and go around nightclubs of Paris and that. But yeah. that that's one I don't necessarily blame PSG for because he's uh he he is Neymar. He's just him. Like yeah. you can't you can't tame players like that. But if you sign him, you know what you'll get you know who you're getting into bed with and you bring in Neymar. So you know, but what a player he could have been. And he's what, thirty one now? I mean, where's that career gone? Like I remember when he was 21 coming out of Santos and he was a young upstart and now he's in the old, old age of his career. And he won't, he's not going to be a player who will play to 34, 35 because his body's shot. He picks up injury after injury. Like, he's done. Um, and also Avon's just put in the chat what about Camavinga. There's, there's no way that, there's no way Real Madrid are selling him. If, if they had to sell one of Schuermeni or Camavinga, they're selling Schuermeni because he's less. Camavinga's more of a flashy asset. Who they, He's a... And he's multifunctional. Shuameni is, you know, is what he is. And he's a central midfielder and came with less hype. So, mm. there you go. Oh, Danny looks boring. Like, he um, does, doesn't he? He's just, like, just sitting he's, there quietly. Look. Just a good little boy. I don't know how we're going to put this podcast out. I don't know whether we put this out in two separate parts or whether we, like, put this the, out as yeah, one. Just Carl interrupts. Yeah, put the Kaya bit and then Carl interrupts or something like yeah, that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Carl interrupts. I do have a question for you, Danny. Um, with the question, with the team that we have now, and I'm going to do it early, I'm sorry. With the team, the players that we have now, minus, okay, also the ones that we've um, going to sign, guaranteed. What is Arsenal's best 11? Is that for Danny? That's for Danny. And he's chatting away he's to Texas. chatting away. Doesn't know, now he's No, back. now he's, yeah. What did you ask room. me? I was talking to Sexy Frank because you two have been nattering in for fucking an hour and a quarter. We're in Endgame now, but we wanted to know your best 11, if everything what? is exactly as it is today. 
Oh, that would be a Ramsdale in goal with a Ben White right back, uh, Saliba and Gabriel centre back, Zinchenko left back. As much as I love Kieran Tierney, it doesn't work in Arteta. Sim, 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 symptom, symbol, sim symbol, symbol, uh, formation. That's it, sim card. And then uh, Declan Rice playing in the party role because party will be sold to someone who's got the money and who want him because I want him. Can't have a player who is that good who only turns up 90, 80% of the time. Declan will give it 100% of the time. And then Havertz left in the middle, Odegaard right in the middle, and then the, the usual front three. Which is, I suppose, that's exactly what you two have picked. I'm listening. Yeah, I'm just yeah. listening for my own name. I, yeah, I think, yeah, I think I'd be inclined to agree with that. Well, I think the it's game, game, I'd like to see Balogun given a chance up front when we just want a poacher or occasionally Havertz up front. If if he stayed, I, yeah. I I would love. I'm really excited about Havertz. Uh, and seeing him meet win the dog melt with my heart today. By the way, um, now I, I the possibility that, and I hate saying this, that Timber replaces White. Yeah, nope. every, no, nope. there is there is every possibility of that White I is. Think. You're not going to have a fifty million pound player in Maybe. White. Who's then? Where, where are you going to put him? You ain't going to replace Gabriel unless he's going to go three at the back. That'd well, that nice. that's that was the next thing I was going to say. You, uh, there is a way of doing it. You you switch the three. Well, back. Pep's been um, doing it, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> and then Ben White would be the John Stones. I I don't I I love Ben White. I'm not saying he should. I'm just saying there is every chance that Timber could start. He'll start the season in second, you know, behind yeah. him. But I would not mind because how many times did Ben White get substituted last season? Quite a lot. How many? You know. So I wonder if there's Change formation. Might yeah. sure it out more, more and I know he played a lot of football, but I just wonder if there's a, a question of whether he can do 90 minutes every week in that position. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know whether he's, he, he's whether very he versatile. And we've seen that Arteta was a fly on me. Arteta loves versatile players. He wants an entire squad full of Jules Grandis, oh, and they can all play in every Jules. position. When Smith Rowe comes back, he can play anywhere in the front five positions. Yeah, yeah. yeah or, we got. Uh, ben White to. and Timber and Tommy Ashu. Fuck, what's this? It's a fly epidemic. There's three of them. Fabio Vieira. Um, let's not forget Fabio Trossard. Yeah, there's. Well, you will forget Fabio Trossard can play in any of the front three. Maybe even the to the other two behind the front three. Yeah. And then uh, he just loves players that can play because I think last season has really hurt him, knowing that we should have won the title, but he didn't have enough players to cover enough positions, and he's gone right. You lot are staying. I'm going to go out and buy a load more players, and this time you're not going to muck it up. He didn't muck it up. It, it was mucked up for him with with Saliba. Was the, was the, was the Saliba, Saliba was the Jenga stick in the game of Jenga that he pulled out and it fell apart. But that's the other that's an analogy you can write down and send to your parents. But that's the other issue. We don't know how fit Big Willow is yet, do we? He's back in um, training. He's got the ball, but we don't know how fit he is. So there might be an element of them saying, like you know. Bennett centre back again. Yeah, well, well, yeah. If it happens again this time, we don't have to put Thomas Party to right back and Ben White to centre back and fuck oh, all the whole team up. We've got a straight replacement know. at right back. At least no more Jacker at left back. Bless him. And and don't forget Tommy Asu as well. If he if he's fully fit in training for the for the summer, then if he comes back fully fit, hopefully because he's a great player. I mean, I yeah, say yeah. he's he's Mister Reliable. He's like the El Nene of the defence, isn't he? He's and I always look at. I always look into the, the the foreign market. We have got a Japanese player. Young Japanese yeah. player, um, super fans are going to go, oh, like like the like reason why I support Khan and I support Inter Milan and I support um, Ajax and, and Celtic because they had ex-Arsenal players go there. 
Yeah. And that's why I support those clubs. So we might have a load of Japanese people going, getting into football, seeing him play well for Japan because he's one of their best players, and yeah. then going, oh, who does he play for? It's the, reason I, started, it's the reason I Go started on. following Lorient because of Jeremy Aliadier, fun fact. Aliadier. And then, of course, we signed Koscielny, and there's been Arsenal links all the way through. But, yeah, that was the reason so I started Aliadier's following them. The only one we didn't get was uh, Nagolo Kante. Oh, that was Khan. That was Khan, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and he looks so sad going to Saudi today. Oh, so bless him. Oh, 468 grand a week. I'd be, I mean, I'd yeah, be sure. I, I think I could get by on that. But it's just his little face. He just looked a bit sad. And I was like, no. Has anybody in the chat got a question for Sexy Frank, who has been to one game with me? It was a season we were about to win the league. We lost to Leeds and we didn't win the season. So Frank hates football. Bullshit. <laughs> 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 if anyone's got a question for Frank, just put it in the chat. Can we, we're be can we say congrats to Pete as well? Go on. Can we, can we say congrats to Pete because he's had a his um, his daughter's given birth to a healthy baby boy. Ooh, Pete's oh, a granddad. There you go. His name is Jude. So congrats, oh, Pete. Well from done. The podcast. Congratulations, You need to change his name to Grandpa Pete. Grandpa Pete. There you go. And uh, Jude is a lovely name, but don't. Don't put Bellingham as the second name because nobody needs that. Have you seen how much Jude oh. and his brother look alike? Who? Who? Jude Bellingham and his brother. Oh yeah, they're spitting him. Well, the Timber, look up the Timber Brothers as well. They're like, well, they're twins, idiots. Well, yeah, but twins still look unlike. The Bellinghams aren't twins. Their dad's a policeman, isn't he? Is he? Are you in all? Well, I've got a question for Frank. Frank, come here. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, come on. Uh, it, it we can't have frank. such language on this podcast. We're high caliber. Uh, Stefan Selby, a mate of ours, says, what's your favourite dance, Frank? It's... it's... <laughs> you don't... Oh. Anybody who's, who's listening to this in audio, you don't You don't get this. Like, we've Sad just seen it. a grown man do the, the dance. I don't even know what that's called. Carl, you probably know what that's called. It's the Fortnite dance. He's got young that's kids. The <laughs> well, there you go. Good. Phil's got a question for you. Hi, Sexy Frank. Is Danny a sensitive lover? <laughs> right. Yeah. You oh, definitely dear. need to put this podcast out separate from the highbrow of Kina to the lowbrow of about that this. Earlier. <laughs> right, are you going to wrap this shit up then? Yeah, we are. Um, and if you want us to, if you want to record a separate outro to the Kina one, we can do that if you like. <laughs> but yes. Um, yeah, sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, no, Carl that's fine, Carl. I don't think there's one listener in the chat. Um, I'm looking at all of you, all of fucking looking at all of you, little fuckers. I don't think anybody has has been upset that you've joined us. So thank you. Carl. No, we of appreciate not. that. We, we haven't been um, in a while. We've been busy working, um, delaying people's journeys to work for two yeah, weeks. We are a fluid podcast, although I am bloody hungry, so I'm going to go, go make yeah, some dinner. I've had but... two bags of squares since you've been yabbering on. I'm sure you have. Um, anyway, thanks for running in, Carl. We appreciate it. No worries. I thought I'd uh, jump on. Yeah, I haven't. Work just takes over sometimes, so um, we'll be yeah. doing more stuff next week, won't we? Because we got we got the Charles Watts interview lined up, and we've got uh, well, they're all flying out to Germany, aren't they? So, and we've got the announcements of Rice and Timber to come. So we'll be busy next week, I'm sure. I'm over the outgoings as well. So yeah, yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, and Danny, you had to be here to set up, so you know. Thank you very much for, for hosting because it makes it look professional. Well, that's you know that's just what I do. Really. Again, if I'd have been hosted, we'd have found out what pants Kaya was wearing, um, <laughs> when he last had a poo, what's his favourite pets, and where he does his shopping. 
So I think we can all say thank God I'm here, basically, is what we're saying. Oh, as, as always. One of, the few, one of the few occasions that people are happy I'm here. Mm. Um, right. We are going to wrap it up then. So if you are listening in delay uh, or you're tuning in on YouTube or if you're fancy like me and you've got YouTube premium where you can turn your screen off and still have the audio, uh, don't forget to uh, flick our bell and uh, and hit the like i'm getting all emotional about it oh god uh but yes do click the thumbs up and uh, give us a like and all that good stuff because yeah. it does help with the old algorithm and all that and if you join us on twitch thank you very much we don't forget about you because we i like twitch it's fun and i'd love, love to see that audience grow but wherever you've listened thank you very much i hope you enjoyed the highbrow entertainment with uh with kina he's a good guy and do give him a follow on his socials and as i say next week we'll be back um i will be doing an interview with charles watts who most of you will know i'm sure if you're an arsenal fan uh he started his own youtube channel recently as well formerly of football london and he's another one who has had the unfortunate uh unfortunate time of of working with Simon Collings and, you know, it's a shame, but we all have to do it from time to time. So yes, Charles will be back with us next week. And when we do announce these new signings, um, somebody will be here with Danny to talk about them. Uh, can't guarantee it'll be me because I've got lots of shit this week to do, but we'll see what we can do. Um, but yeah, until next time, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Danny, Carl, thank you very much for your time. This Cheers, Chris. Thank you, Chris. has been a Bergkamp Wonderland, an Arsenal podcast, 10 years strong. We'll see you very soon. Good night. As soon as I scored that goal. Say that again. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business. He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? (laughs) So I've just eaten a full quiche. Well, you don't often see them at him. So when you see them in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately and get the brown sauce on them and bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt.